Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. They put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. I don't really need to touch the steering wheel there, Tom. Oh, I'm sure there's some math. So SpaceX, <laughs> here's the deal. Um, landing a rocket on a drone ship is key. Charger, 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 <laughs> charger. How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? Safety. Charger, charger, charger. <laughs> you know, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. Just think that this is a car company that is run by super geeks. Super. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. You don't even have to I remember that. You've got a Model X. I have seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. <laughs> All right, so today's Sunday morning. Hi, guys. It's so lovely. <laughs> did you see the sunrise? I didn't. Yeah, no. no. I did, actually. Here, this is how I woke up this morning. Not that anybody cares, and this isn't going to be part of the show. But it was all overcast. But it was overcast. Yeah. My doors were open. Yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden, I heard death screeching out of the backyard next door to my house. Did you hear me go to the bathroom? <laughs> no, and there were there were a couple of cats, one of which I believe was mine. Okay, and they were going at it, and they're like, "Hey, wake up, every neighborhood people, because yeah. we we're are pissed at each other." Yeah, because I don't even know why. Maybe he stepped on my thing, he or he grabbed my rat off of the bush. I have no, no idea. He what went they after were, my bird. Yeah, but you can't stop them. They were fifty yards away from me, and I'm out there like snapping my fingers and like, "Hey." Turn what do the, they care? Turn on the sprinklers. If the two of them wanted to come after me, yeah. it would have been on. They would have taken me down. What if it could have been a coyote? It wasn't. I saw them oh. and heard them. So coyotes, just so you know, don't sound anything like cats when they're eating a cat. Like you can hear the cat for a split second complaining and then there's silence. I thought the cat might be having a go at the coyote. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're in uh, suburban Los Angeles, but the coyotes, uh, they don't care anymore. They just will come into town riding on a horse to eat your cats. Okay, they don't ride horses, but because we live in the San Fernando Valley, right. we have a river, the lovely Los Angeles River, that used to be a wild river until it drowned the city a few times, so they decided to concrete the whole thing in. And it runs north to south from, what, Porter Ranch, Chatsworth area, even Mm -hmm. maybe beyond that, all the way out to the sea? To Long Beach, yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful concrete. And SpaceX. It is basically a 55-lane highway for coyotes. Coyotes. Ah. And there are overpasses where the coyotes live and culverts. And so they can just – it's like an underground system of coyote cat machine killing. There's a little documentary thing where they put GPS on these coyotes and you see them come from out of the mountains into the river. Down they go and they're like – you know, shaking each other's hands. It's like that old cartoon <laughs> where the sheep and the dog, you know, used to be best friends, but yeah. they'd have to go to work. It was kind, nice. of, it's kind of like the coyotes come down, they say, see you, Jack, see you tonight, and they go out to work all night, uh-huh. eat a lot of cats, and then come back. It's yeah. kind of cool. It's sad. And I've caught a few coyotes on my streets with, uh, you know, various creatures in their mouths. And mm-hmm. you can scare them, though. They're pretty skittish. Yeah. They are skittish. The coyotes. That's because they're smart. That's true. Some of them are, <laughs> many of them are gorgeous. It's a good point, really, Robert. I hadn't, hadn't considered I've that. I played golf where like you've teeing off on the third hole. They're and the coyotes. Gorgeous? Did you just say that? Some of them are gorgeous. Yeah. 
Some of them look like. Would you like to elaborate on your love wild of coyotes? Animals. Well, I'm from Australia, Tom, so I think we should say no more. I think you know where I'm going. I saw say this. No more, am- say no more. I saw this amazing YouTube of a capybara. Capybara. What was that? Some woman was like combing it, and I never realized how giant they are. What's a capybara? It's a rodent. It's is like it not? this huge rat, but it's like like almost the size of Mel. Can we not call it a rat? It's a rodent. Okay, they're uh, not all rats. Talking no. zoology. Is that what we're calling <laughs> yeah. this episode? We do talking zoologies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because there was a yeah, there was another, there was a, yeah. another and they, show. Then we and made they fun and then they changed yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyhow. Yeah, but now it's weekly Should coyotes. Should we start talking yeah. about Tesla hey, so people don't hang start, up? Oh, good. Oh, boy. Can I rant about superchargers? You talked over me. First off, you can't talk about it before we start because that would be starting. Yeah, but that, see, that's the funny thing. We say we're, oh, whatever. Hey, I want to rant about supercharger. So I just drove up to San Francisco from Los Angeles. 380-mile trip I did up there and back 24 hours. Went up there, mm-hmm. picked up a kid, yeah. mm-hmm. drove back. Whoa. You uh, knew the kid, right? This was a- uh, Yeah, mostly. Okay, good. Yeah. That's a good and, helpful. Uh, superchargers in San Francisco, not enough. There are, in fact, no superchargers. On the little island of San Francisco, I don't no. know what you call that part. Peninsula. Uh, yes. There is no supercharger on, on the end of it. No. That's a problem. It's crazy. Yeah, you got to charge before you go in. Yeah. The nice thing about it is if you're fully charged before you go in, it's a tiny little place. Yeah, it's only six by six miles. It's true, but there's no supercharger there. Right, but it's tiny. I know, but there's no supercharger there. <laughs> right, but, it, but do you understand that it's, okay. It's not big. It's expensive. Oh, there is three superchargers coming. So if you look on the map, yeah, three superchargers are going into sort of the downtownish northern round Golden Gate era of San Francisco by the end of the year, they say. So that will be good. Second thing. Okay, I stayed at the Marriott. You'll know it, Tom. You used to put on a little conference there. Beautiful Marriott. Stayed there. $180 a night in the middle of San Francisco. I'm like, this is fantastic. Yeah. This is amazing. Uh-huh. And then you park. 82 bucks. $80. $80. <laughs> I'm like, you, that's cost shifting. You can't do It's that. right across. <laughs> well, first off, you shouldn't park. Pack? You shouldn't pack your car and have it yet. It's right across from Moscone Center, a big conference area. It right. is in and of itself a giant conference thing. And generally, it's very expensive to park in San Francisco. It you is. could have taken the train in. You could have parked in Oakland. Well, but then I had to drive over the Golden Gate Bridge. I had to go up to this university. I had to pick up a kid. I don't know which one. Grabbed one of them and then drove home. Another thing, can I say? Mm-hmm. So they've got a reason I stayed there is because I know the hotel. And they've got uh, Tesla chargers. Yep. So I go down there and I say to the guy, because okay. you've all got a valet. Mm-hmm. I say to the valet and guy, after we put it into valet mode, which mm-hmm. you can do on the screen there, which stops them ripping around in your Model 3, I said, can you plug it in? It's like, no problem, mate. So then I check before I go to bed because I don't trust them, and I haven't plugged it in. Mm. I'm like, well, there's probably some Teslas down there. Let me just uh, set the alarm for 3 a.m. and check. At 3 a.m., they haven't plugged it in. Mm. So I call down the valet and say, like, I really need some juice, so can you plug it in? So they plug it in. They only plug it in to like about 110 miles, and then they unplug it. So I'm just saying, what's the moral of this story? Don't trust valets. Bastards. I actually went, I had a couple of hours before I left, so I went back down to the valet and said, could you plug it in again now? And he's like, you know, we're sorry, but last night we had 35 Teslas wanting to get plugged in, two plugs. You know what the problem was? You didn't tip them enough. You got to give them a tenner. Yeah. And say, I really need, I'm yeah. going all the way to, no, I don't know no. where. Did you hear what he said? 
There's 35, There's 35 Teslas. Teslas. <laughs> and that's what I said. A 20. Maybe you needed to give him another I, 50. Actually, so, if I was so, that guy, I'd say, everybody, all the Tesla owners, gather around, gather around. Okay, we're going to do some bidding here. Who wants their car to Yeah, that's what the- 20. We'll take 20. 30, 30, 30, 30, 40, like, 40, 40, 40. You could make like a lot of money. That sounds horrible. Infrastructure is the key. We need more charging infrastructure. It's ridiculous that a large hotel like that, especially a big money-backed chain like Marriott, would have two chargers in it's, San Francisco? Well, our, okay, let me ask you a question. Were these Tesla destination chargers? Yes. So and they were installed and paid for by Tesla? So it's not the Marriott's issue at that they point, They could right? certainly buy more to satisfy could, their $82 a night parking Tesla. Right, but you're also talking about a corporation, right? And you're also talking about the cost of potentially, I don't know, it, the the chargers themselves, the Tesla chargers, are 500 bucks. Installation can average, I don't know, at my house it was about 600 per charger. I mm-hmm. can't imagine, and that was only a 20-feet run from my panel. Well, let me tell you why it's worth their time. Five years ago when I first went there with a Tesla, mm-hmm. they had two chargers, and it was they're like, oh, they're so excited that you have a Tesla that you're going to plug in. Right. Now we fast forward, and they've got 35 Teslas waiting for the two chargers. So the reason I went to the Marriott, part mm-hmm. of it was I knew that they had a charger. Guess where I'm going to stay next time? Not, Not at the Not there. Guess what they're going to lose? Yep. They're going to lose a couple of nights. Guess what? That would have paid for itself. So the Marriott, which has actually been really forward and has lots of charges in lots of their places, now need to realize the two charges you put in five years ago, now you need 10. But they can't have 35 chargers. They can have 10 or some number where they can rotate them out and fully charge them. But eventually every spot will need to have a charger. I agree with you. At some point, every spot. And the other thing, only a 30 amp um, circuit on that thing. So it was very slow. Put the full amperage on there. I'm just saying... Uh, is this thing on? Hello. JW Marriott, uh, let me just tell you that you need to put a lot of charges in. You'll okay, make a lot you, of money. When you arrived at the Marriott, how many miles did you have on your vehicle? 60. So when was the last time you charged prior to going into San Francisco? I think I stopped at P-Soup Anderson's for a pee. So you made a mistake. You passed several superchargers well, prior to going into the city. Do you, do you want to hear more about superchargers? Okay. So my son was up there the weekend before because he was going up to see a mm-hmm. certain person up there. And he stopped at Dublin, which is the closest supercharger to that peninsula of the San Francisco area. And it was broke. First of all, it was full. All of them? It was full. And there was like five cars waiting. And this was on a Saturday morning. So he left there and he went to another supercharger north. So he went out of his way to another supercharger. On the way back, he plugged in at Dublin and everybody was getting out of their car going, hey, you having problems? And he's got a video of it going from like six amps to 100 amps and down and up. And it was flipping all over the place. Mm -hmm. So he spent two and a half hours to get about 120 miles of charge. But everybody was saying there's something wrong with the supercharger. So all this is to say, I love my electric car. It's fantastic. What a great long trip in the Model 3. It is really a superb cruising car. More charging infrastructure. It's true. There could be more. There are a whole lot of superchargers right adjacent as you enter the city of San Francisco. Not necessarily Down the you know, on the 5, but there's a bunch below right around the Tesla factory. There's a few, sure. <laughs> as you could possibly imagine. And then there's a bunch on the 880. So they're, they're there. There's one... 
The really big issue or one of the big issues that I'm seeing is that outside of San Francisco, there isn't one just on the other side of the Bay Bridge. You have to go quite a bit north. They are planning one just over the Golden Gate Bridge. They're planning one in San Rafael. So there's a whole bunch coming. Right. I still don't think it's going to be enough, but there's a bunch. Not with all the threes, although I think most three people aren't using them. Well, let me tell you another thing. Can I tell you another story? Please. First of all, I love it when I plug in the three and then it comes up with the charge. At first, you're like, oh, that's a bummer. It's so fast. But then it's like, oh, good, because you can take this $5 and build me some more superchargers. But the ratio- you're talking about the money, not the speed. Yeah. Oh, no. How fast there is another thing. I'm going to get to that. But so you go to a supercharger, like even- a month ago, and it would be all S's and X's, and maybe you'd see a three and or you know, a couple of threes. You're like, Ooh. Now, at least up in the Bay Area, you plug in, it is about 70% threes, 30% S and X. But that's the whole game. Eventually, you will barely even notice S's and X's because there will be very quickly twice as many, three times as many, four times as many threes. Because what's the maximum they haven't built in the whole history of Tesla? 200,000 S's and X's, Yeah, I right? think they are about 200,000, 250,000. Not S's and X's. Yeah, 200,000 worldwide. In, in the States. I'm yeah, talking about in the States, that. right? Less than the States because the, the Model 3s contributed to the 200,000, right? The the big number that caused the tax refund to go Correct. away, right? So there's 130,000, and if we are at the point where we're losing the tax, that means 70,000 S's. So 50% of all Teslas on the road right now in the States potentially are threes. Um, well, it's mm. going to get there. It's happening It'll be fast. there soon. I don't yeah. think it's there yet, but I agree. San Francisco, that whole Bay Area, number one, even though the distance may not look long, the amount of traffic for the amount of hours a day makes it a long distance. And people are likely not going to drive 20 miles out of their way if it takes them an hour to get some extra supercharging miles so that they can go back the 20 miles and on their on their way. So it completely is a convenience cluster. It is and it isn't. Again, if you go to one of the chargers on the way in and you fully charge, first off, if you're driving around San Francisco, you shouldn't be. <laughs> There's a good point. <laughs> you know, like get once on a you bicycle. get into the city, there are Ubers, there are those stupid scooters all over the place, I'm sure, at this point. There yeah, is a, a very robust public transportation system. I agree with all that. In general, you're right. Any big city in the world now, it's sort of becoming a pain you don't want Not to try. one. <laughs> but if, but mm. if you have to, we had a sort of very specific case scenario where we had to go and do a cross-country run, and then we had to drive up to a university yeah. to pick something up. Then we had to go down. So i got to tell you, uh, this is upsetting. Mm-hmm. I had a flash of saying, next time I drive to San Francisco, if I have to do this kind oh, of thing I again, can hear it coming. Don't say do it. I need to take an don't, ice car? Don't. Oh. How and if dare I'm you. saying that, yeah. you know that there are people who are on the fence saying, uh, I'm worried about the infrastructure and the charging. So it's a big deal. I've done many a road trip in the Tesla, and I can tell you that uh, people that I've driven with in the Tesla on road trips say, do you realize this was a five-hour trip and it took seven hours? Do you realize how much extra time you're spending? I prefer to look at it like, wow, look at this. I'm supporting an infrastructure. I mean, we've all done this. We're supporting an infrastructure. Oh, isn't this supercharger cool? Look at the fun things around us. Look at the weeds around the edges. (laughs) I love those weeds. (laughs) It's, you know, and a friend of mine just tweeted me or uh, texted me yesterday. He was at uh, uh, the big one, Buttonwillow. And he's like sending me a picture of him with a coffee. How great this is. 
I think that's all good, but that's not going to work for the 99% of people out there who are driving cars and want to just get off the freeway, charge up really quick and get on their way. So a few last things. I absolutely agree with you. So um, More superchargers. There needs to be more superchargers and there has to be version 3. I can't wait to see the specs on version 3 because one of the things I was thinking about, mm-hmm. one of the things, is that also it's a bit slow even though the 3 is really fast because I actually like getting out of the car every two or three hours now, but a 10-minute walk is good, but sometimes it's a 20 or a 30-minute charge. If they can really halve that, as they've said, or maybe a third in version three, now we're starting to get places. Now, in, 10 minutes, I can get 150 miles would be spectacular. But in this case, you didn't even charge. Well, the other problem, Tom, is this. <laughs> so if you well, – I did think about that. Next time I do it, I'll definitely charge sort of fairly full. But the the rate of charge in the Model 3 is spectacular, 480 miles per hour. So at the good. So good. But as you get to the top of that, like you get to like 270 miles of the 310, it slows way the hell down. Right. But you – okay. You went into San Francisco with 60 miles left. If you had went in there with 200 miles left, this would not be a conversation. Yes, I definitely learned that. But when you're outside of San Francisco, like uh-huh. the most impacted charges are the ones around San Francisco. Yeah, oh, So for I'm just sure. saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can I summarize? You can, please. We need more superchargers. Oh, wait. Hold on a second. Robert, did you see that summary coming? I did. No good. Yeah, and you yeah. need them we blasted. all do. like a freight train. <laughs> <laughs> and what's so sad is that ninety nine point nine nine percent of the time I could give a poopy because I just drive around home and I charge at home. Right. Oh, can I do one more part of this? Room? Can I ask Robert a quick question before you do that? Because I think he's going to know the answer to this question. When we started this train wreck of a show three years ago, yeah. how many superchargers were there approximately? Oh, that's a great question, Tom. Mm-hmm. One. <laughs> and Mel was bitching and moaning about that, that lack of supercharger. No, and I'm now actually, I'm actually going to look this up. That he's left his hobbit hole We're once or like, twice. He's now complaining even hard. He's actually used the supercharger. At least he's now complaining about something he's using, although in this particular case, incorrectly. <laughs> okay, if I remember correctly, if I remember correctly, before the first show ever went on, uh-huh. and the three of us uh-huh. had like fries and all kinds of greasy hot dog like food at some place in San Jose. Uh-huh. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. That was like back around the end of May of 2016, there were 599 supercharger stations. Worldwide or in the States? Worldwide. Now there's 1,350, oh, like 130 percent more. Not fast enough. No. I'm just saying, can I go further? <laughs> Superchargers, we need more. They need to be faster. Can't wait for version three coming later in the year. They're going to be hooked to the solar cells. They're going to be hooked to the batteries. It's going to be great. Okay, I'm going to get calmer. Okay, so then I'm like, destination charges. Let me just find another hotel up in this area where I can just plug in. There's like three destination, four destination charges on the north end of the uh, San Francisco Peninsula. Yes. What the hell? Why doesn't every single hotel with half a brain have some EV charging capacity? Hello, hotels out there. Hello. Did you hear that? The hotel business is not this like rolling in the cash kind of situation. A lot of these are smaller franchise operations. You'll make your money back instantly. Tesla will help fund them putting in destination I, chargers. I, it, and will they? Like, what do you think that process is like? Hey, hey, Tesla. Hey, this is Jim over we'll at the Hilton. You, yeah. oh, we're going to get it done right away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was next, wondering if you guys. Decade. I was wondering if you guys had some chargers sitting around <laughs> that I could order. Oh, those are on back order. I was There's, wondering if you give me fifty percent. Like purchase of these, 
There's probably a secondary market for all of us who are getting free <laughs> chargers for the referral program. I installed both of mine. I yeah. now have two chargers at yeah. home. Oh, it you know the problem with San Francisco. Freaking spectacular. <laughs> so uh, San Francisco City, the city of the mayor of the people that run it. Mm-hmm. I'm walking down the streets of San Francisco mm-hmm. thinking about the 1970s TV uh-huh. show, The Streets of San Francisco. <laughs> Thinking, well, why don't all of these light poles that Tom told us about three years ago yeah. have charges? I, I have just seen ch- the future. And it is light pole charges. <laughs> light pole So charges. true. The future so never true. came true. It's true. No, it didn't. But I was like, oh, every pole could have a charger on it, and I could just like park could. in that Presidio Park thing, Golden Gate Park, and yeah. just plug in for a few hours. Yeah. I'm just saying, infrastructure, gentlemen, infrastructure. So then I'm going across the Golden Gate Bridge. And I said to my son, I believe that they uh, made that in the post-Depression era when nobody had jobs and they, when mm-hmm. we used to spend money on infrastructure. Mm. And I was thinking, what if they turned that same effort into, like, EV charging? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what? I'm just going to have to bring this to a, a little bit I of a buzzkill. for the rest There's going to be a hour. little bit of – so you talk about this infrastructure, and I get it. And cities need to prioritize the lack of taxes that they're getting because people don't like to pay their taxes – all of the other things. And in today's L.A. Times is an article on a massive expansion of homelessness in the last seven years, yeah, which has been in this city ridiculous. So I would much rather the city address that than add more chargers. I know they should do both. I yes, get that. Both. But if yes. I had a priority that, list, yes, I would pick that first personally. And uh, in San Francisco, the homeless situation down here is terrible. San Francisco, it is Unbelievable! Some yeah, of the no. streets, it is just a tent city. It because is it's terrible. unaffordable. You well, there's lots there. of social right. issues that it's not just affordability. There's drugs. There's lots of other things. But wow, I mean, it is really yeah. like post-apocalyptic. But even in some to streets, build there. like shelters, right? People don't want to do that, and that's not what the show is about. But homelessness is a problem, especially in California. It I'm is just, a problem in other places as well. We understand yeah. that, but it. I'm just saying. It's terrible. That you could build a lot of homeless shelters, you could have some drug rehab, you could have social workers, and on the top of those homeless shelters, you could have solar panels. Solar panels. And mm-hmm. you could have training about how to install solar panels and EV chargers to yeah. help people back into the work market. I'm just saying I think I've fixed the problem. Yeah, he's a big thinker over here, people. Yeah. Well, that was a very long rant, but I, I just had to get it all out. All on supercharging. That, that was all like the first two lines <laughs> of how many pages, 11 pages that we have to go through here. Now, I had to do it's that rant because show. I had an eye surgery and I can't really read. So for the rest of the time, I'll be quiet. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hold on a second. Uh, instant Twitter poll. Who has any illusions that he's going to be quiet the rest of the time? Let me just say one more <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. So I thought I'd give an update on what's going on with my smashed up model. I was wondering what's happening with El Smashalito. It's been a really exciting month. Not. I'm still driving the smashed up Tesla with the door. It's right outside. With the door that, uh, you know, you have to really slam to get it shut. I finally got in motion forward on repairs, although parts probably won't be arriving until September 20th. And that's the day I'll be taking it in for them to start tearing down the car. I'm very saddened by the fact that I went to a, well, I I was very happy to have gone to another Tesla Owners Club Los Angeles get-together. We had a Cars and Coffee at the beginning of last month. That's 
It was around like the first Sunday of August. And a bunch of people were like looking at the car, a lot of lot of comments, a lot of condolences. I felt almost like I, you know, lost a family member. And they said, you know, you realize that that back corner panel is actually a structural element of the car. And I said, like, the frame of the car? They said, well, yeah, it gives it like all this. And I thought, well, whenever you bend the frame of a car, that means it's kind of like done. That's done. You can try and straighten it. But I think in the eyes of like resellers and insurance companies, that's like an end game. But evidently, Tesla's kind of worked around this where it's not quite the frame, but it is a structural element. And so I asked the shop, Avio, I said, you know, for real, guys, is this going to affect the resale value of the car? Is it going to affect the car as a, you know, structural? Will it run for 10 more years? And like, oh, we guarantee everything. Everything will be done right. But if we do tear it down and we find more problems, then we'll have to revise. And that's when I got the email from Tesla to come down to the Hawthorne Design Studio to test drive the Model 3 Performance Edition. Mm-hmm. That was two Saturdays ago. Mm-hmm. And I went and I went with, of course you did. I, I went with, um, uh, I'm just going to leave this open like other individuals. And, uh, and when I went for the test drive, the other individuals also got to do test drive. And, um, and I have some photographs that I haven't yet tweeted. I've been waiting. I don't know. We were thinking of maybe putting out a little tweener yeah, on you this. Yeah, you've got some really great fun acceleration video, which I'm going to put up, but I was in Chile and then I had an eye surgery. And I'm sorry, but it'll come up this week. Yeah. So imagine getting on a freeway. You know how the on-ramps are pretty I guess they vary, right? If you're in Pasadena, some of the on-ramps are about 12 feet long. But typically, they're like, you know, a half a football field, a quarter of a football field long. So you can really get some acceleration. Well, this bad boy, red Model 3, from stop at a light to getting on the freeway, did 104 miles an hour. And we weren't even on the freeway yet. It was Unbelievable. Like, wet your pants. <laughs> Did Crazy you hit a railway track by any chance? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, but it was quite a stunning vehicle. So I test drove it, and then I put down an additional $2,500 deposit with the thinking that, hmm, if I get that word that the Model S is going to be a... For those who don't know, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, Robert crashed his car, no fault of his own, and it's been dinged up, and he's waiting to hear if they're going to total it or if they're just going to fix it. Mm-hmm. I'll have a backup plan. So when you say $2,500 in addition, so you ha- in addition to your 1000 yes. or this is a second reservation? No, this is taking one of my three reservations and putting it up. And so I thought, okay, well, it'll be, I don't know, how long? Elon time Two until weeks. I see it. Two weeks. Two weeks. It was actually 10 days they yeah. called me and they said, exactly. your car is being sent over to the Playa del Rey Delivery Center. How would you like to take care of the rest of the funds? Holy hell. 10 did days. Get, did they get confused? Did they think you purchased it or did you actually purchase it? Well, I told the guy who I was doing the business with what my plan was. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. He says, you know, you've got two or three weeks and then, you know, give him a call and see what the update was and give him a sense of what's going on. So I talked to the guy who called me from Las Vegas, which was strange. I get a lot of bad phone calls and uh-huh. I got a Vegas call. I was like, hmm. hmm. But then they left a message, which is a good idea for me. And and the guy says, well, it's ready. It's on its way. I said, well, here's my situation. He says, all right, no problem. I'm glad you're a supporter. He says, I'll release this reservation so someone else can have it. And you let me know as soon as you're ready to go. So when you made the reservation of $2,500, did you configure the vehicle yes. as well? It's a whole process. It's just the performance with everything on it. And what color? White? 
White. Dumb question. <laughs> red was white really, interior. I think red goes faster. Yes, white interior. Mm, it's brave, very sexy. Brave man without young children or a dog. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's true. It was so bright inside. I took yeah. some pictures of what it was like. I put the phone up against my nose, and it's such a bright, open, airy feeling. It's a it's great car. Really lovely. So, can I summarize? One, Performance Edition Model 3, so good that Robert, who would never buy a Model 3 in a million years, is buying a Model 3 potentially. So, that's fast. Yeah. You're a tall lad, 6'4, six, 6'5. Six, yeah. How does it feel in that car, which is smaller than the S? It was very comfortable. The only thing I did notice was that when I adjusted the mirrors out as far as they could go, I was at the limit for my height because my seating position. Because you're way back. Yeah. You're pushing the thing way back. For me, it's, it's not an issue. Uh, <laughs> no, I, three, I can't imagine it would be. Three, we've learned that uh, if you fully configure the most expensive Model 3, you yes. can get it here in Los Estados Unidos. In, in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles. Let's, yeah. let's in the Cal California. Yeah, but a lot of people come here to pick up their cars from Georgia, Florida, Michigan, whatever. To hit the supercharger network on the way home. And That's right, because once you get outside of L.A., they're open and, and there's nobody charging. The reviews on the Model 3 Performance Edition are all uh, very impressive. Uh, one of the things they do note, although I haven't seen this as a real problem, but in the Model 3, just the rear wheel version that I have, it goes 0 to 60 very fast. It feels fantastic. You do lose a bit like you have in the dual motor S. Like if you're at 60 when you want to go to 85, it still is like pin you back. and But in the 3 with the one motor in the back... It's not you don't get that same torque at that higher level, which is a lot of people said. But in the reviews, they say, and the performance model three, uh, no problem. Yeah, but doing eighty, you want to go a hundred, no problem. Boom. But yeah. it still is a ridiculous amount of torque relative to every other oh, car yeah. around it, right? So if you need it, if you're going sixty sure. and you need to pass or get out of trouble or something, yep. it can get you to eighty faster than any of the cars causing you trouble can get to eighty. That's for damn sure. Listening to you, Tom, just my heart is so <laughs> warm that you're back in a Tesla. I'm so happy. <laughs> well the other day I was on an on ramp and there were two cars in the it's a two lane on ramp. There are two cars in the right lane in front of me and a big rig in the left lane. Mm. And the two cars were ice cars and they were going and they managed to get past and I didn't have a big window, but it was big enough. And I managed to just wink, yes. like get right there in the and the and that wasn't had did have no impact on the truck whatsoever. Everybody who listens to this show probably has driven a Tesla or loves Teslas, but until you drive one you just can't get the like why is it these people, these idiots so in love with their cars? Yeah. Just drive it. Yeah. And then go back to your ice car. The driving experience is so Good. Even at the lowest end. I've got the lowest end Model 3 with one thing, and it's five times well, you better than any ice you, car. You don't have the lowest end Model 3. Well, I mean, in I, terms the of one that is currently available. Okay. Let's I mean, go on. There's a lot of people waiting for that $35,000 Model 3 with the smaller battery, right? We don't know what the performance is on that one. We, we, we assume, assume it will be fine. Can I say something? No. No. I know we're going to talk about supercharging, but can we Again. avoid a rant? <laughs> a rant on not being enough superchargers. I don't Let's know. talk about... Can we? Well, this Let's might be... Let's talk about free supercharging might, for life. Yeah, this might be something that supports further supercharge expansion. It, it very well could. So yeah. this is a Clean Technica article and ending on September 17th, 2018. So as of this recording, we're looking at 15 days. Oh, Right? Upsetting. Is that correct? Yes, yes, yes. yes. 15 days. So what that means is right now, if you buy a Model S, a Model X, and 
damn it, a Model 3 performance <gasps> using someone's referral code, referral right. Robert documentation, Robert, because people can spell Robert and apparently can't spell Laney, L-A-I-N-I, 9300, <laughs> but it's hard to say. If you buy any one of those cars using anybody's referral code, you can get free supercharging for life. And it's attached to the car, not, not the, the driver. That's yeah. correct, right? So it's attached to the car. But my question is twofold. So it's ending again. It's now become sort of a marketing thing every few months, every six months, whatever. It comes, it goes, it goes away. That's cool. But does anybody making a $70,000 purchase based on free supercharging? I did not. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because I do not have free supercharging in mind Amazingly, because it's not a performance. A lot of people do. It is a textbook example of psychology. You'll spend $70,000 dollars on a car and get so excited about the fact that you can plug it in for free so the second question i have is do we love that tesla keeps doing this on again off again it doesn't bother me because again i think it's a nice marketing thing it works out nicely some people will get them some people don't i hope that one day they add like something that allows me to get it even though again i have two chargers at home i don't really use supercharging for day to day. It's obviously nice to have it, but it doesn't cost that much. So I wanted to talk a bit about what it costs to run a Model 3, right? This show probably has a lot of new listeners that maybe are Model 3 owners, because again, they're going to be the majority of Tesla owners out there. And so in California, the cost of supercharging is currently 26 cents per kilowatt hour. So that means to charge any of the Teslas that don't have free supercharging, 70 kilowatts is about $18.20. Which is a lot cheaper than gas. Right. So to fill up, just to give you a little bit of an idea, to fill up my truck when I do drive it long distance, it has about a 300-mile range and costs about 68 bucks to fill the tank. Right. So that's uh, one thing. So if you think about it in terms of driving from Los Angeles to Yellowstone National Park, that's about a thousand and fifty five miles. And that would be about three point seven seventy kilowatt hour charges and cost about sixty eight dollars each way. So about three times less. They also have two tiers of charging, Mm -hmm. tier one and tier two. Tier one applies to cars that are charging at 60 kilowatts or less. And tier two applies to cars that are charging above that 60 kilowatt threshold. Mm -hmm. But if you're plugged in with two cars in one, like a 1A, 1B kind of a situation, both of them are paying tier one. Or you're you're paying tier one even if the other guy's getting it for free. So 24 cents, 26 cents in California per kilowatt hour is you know, way cheaper than gas, about half the price of gas or even less. Mm-hmm. So that's really good. You can go to tesla.com forward slash trips and you can put some numbers in there and it'll tell you. If, if you drive your S or your 3 and uh, do all the charging we suggest, here's about how much you're going to save compared to an, a, uh-huh. a comparable gas vehicle. So it'll actually do it for you. Yeah. So that's nice. And S's and X's that won't, my guess is this will still hold true although I don't know that they've made an official announcement, S's and X's after September 17th will still get the 400 kilowatt hours a year as, a, as gratis. That's right. free. So I've got a couple of questions here. First okay. of all, one, would you pay up front, let's say you're buying a Model 3, and they said they calculate the average person you know, will spend $1,000 on uh, supercharging because it's way less than they think they're going to use. So if I say to Robert, Robert, do you want to pay an extra $2,000 for free supercharging for life? And now you drive a lot, but just the concept of paying up front and then it being free after that, 
How do you think about that? Because that's what I would do if I was Tesla. I'd offer that. I think two things. One, it makes no economic sense, unless, of course, you drive 40,000 miles a year mm-hmm. and you, you do it along supercharger routes. So, number one, it really does. And we've gone through this. We've done this calculation, I don't know, three times over the last two years. It does not make sense. It does psychologically seem very, very attractive. And I, too, am just as prone to that psychological uh, fantasy. But the second point is it's worse for the supercharger network because how many people will say, oh, you know, I could plug it in tonight if I move the car over four feet in the drive or whatever, move something out of the way. But eh, I'll go to the supercharger nearby tomorrow morning and I'll just fill it up as I'm getting a coffee. Mm -hmm. So number one, it lends to clogging the supercharger network in the urban areas where we have the most supercharger congestion. That's an interesting, interesting point. Although it does maybe give them capital to build more supercharging. It's probably neither here nor it's probably six. I think they'd probably rather not have that capital if they don't have to listen to Mel bitching (laughs) on the show. That's true. Now here's my second question. I don't know if you know there's this thing called the Tesla Semi. What? And during the Tesla Semi yes. reveal, and they're talking about the mega charges, we'll get to that, but they were talking about, they being Elon, that the cost to charge the Semi is going to be $0.07 cents per kilowatt hour. $0.07, cents, not 26 7 because they're going to put up the solar panels and they're going to put up the batteries, one presumes. So when they fully deploy version 3 of supercharging, when they finally put up the uh, solar panels, when they finally have the batteries... Will this charging cost come down, do you think? Hard to say. I think it just I think it depends. I think it's a use case. I, one of the reasons my guess is that they're putting that number on the semi is that they did the yearly operational maintenance calculation in their heads and they're like, This is going to get those quarter by quarter bean counters very excited right. about this truck, but they're still charging a premium for the vehicle itself, right? Right. And do you think that they're really gonna be able to like you can it, with solar and battery, you can get down over the lifetime of the system, so 20 years. You can get down to like five and six cents per kilowatt hour on your house. So I think they can do it over time, but seven cents But is the other good. thing that they will probably not have to deal with is there probably will not be a cost of land rental because they will be in UPS properties and Walmart properties, right? So that land use part of the cost of supercharger, my guess will be mostly not have to be factored in. And also the trucking company like FedEx, UPS, JB Hunt, these big organizations, they know year in and year out how many hundreds of thousands or millions of miles they drive. What are those routes? It's a very fixed system. There's going to be some variation, don't get me wrong, but for the most part, it's a very fixed system. So Tesla and these companies know we can stick a mega charger at these points along the route, not variable. It's like the truck can go 400 miles, therefore supercharger every 400 miles. These guys are not going to be speeding. They're not going to be taking side trips. This is all very kind of structured so that they can have a much more defined system set up. Put the charger in a place the trucks will access them with a lot of solar canopy or wind power possibility. I think that's what they're thinking. But at the same time, this is like 3x cheaper or 4x cheaper than it costs me if I had no supercharger for life. And I have a, it just gives me this feeling of like 420 again. Yes. 420. uh, Like what we're going to talk about about taking Tesla private. Maybe 
he was shooting his mouth off. A tad. That's kind of what I was getting at. Seven <sighs> cents per kilowatt. Come on. But that is a good point you made because, like, the part of the problem with the infrastructure when you're a car, he's like, oh, rabbit, I would like to drive down that road right. 100 miles. Oh, and grandma lives over there. Oh, over there. But there, you're right. The truck's not going to do that. The vast majority of these trucks are going to go at 55 miles an hour in a straight line for 1,000 miles. Yeah. And that's all that, that can be said. Awkward pause. <laughs> Awkward pause. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Tesla going private then since you bring it up. Since I'm going to get a lot of money for my stock because he's going to buy it from me for $420. <laughs> right? Right? No. Uh, so let's just uh, back it up in uh-huh. case there's one person who doesn't know this story. So Uno. Elon's driving in the car, smoking a cigarette, uh, doing shots of vodka. Why always with the <laughs> drinking and smoking? I don't know. That's the only way to explain it. So then he tweets out, <laughs> thinking was... of taking Tesla private uh, funding secured. And then it turns out that you can't just do that. You can get in trouble. The SEC gets angry and your stockholders get angry. And you better have this freaking solidly done in terms of uh, the funding and all this stuff. He's getting sued for this. A lot of people, when this tweet came out, said, that doesn't seem right. Tom was bringing it up. Lots of people brought it up. This doesn't seem right. So now he's getting sued. So this is the follow-up, which is a few weeks later. Right. No, we're not going private. Right. Well, no, this is actually the, – so the August – that was August 24th, the blog – okay, so there's multiple blog posts. The date that you said he announced they were going to try to go private. On August 13th, he basically said that he thinks that he has funding secured – from uh, the Saudi Arabian Sovereign Fund, who apparently, according to Elon and this post, have been asking him for years to take the company private right. several times because they're trying to divest themselves from oil. At least that's their story. Anywho. Yeah. And then so and in this post, he said he imagines that two thirds of investors would stay private uh, again. I imagine that would be close and depends on the bylaws of whatever funds or private equity thing people have, whether mm-hmm. or not they could stay private in it. And then on August 24th, that sort of thought process comes into fruition where he says, we're going to stay public. And he wrote, writes, and I quote, given the feedback I've received, it's apparent that most of Tesla's existing shareholders believe we are better off as a public company. Additionally, a number of institutional shareholders have explained that they have internal compliance issues or bylaws that limit how much they can invest in a private company. There is also no proven path for most retail investors to own shares if we were private. Although the majority of shareholders I spoke to said they would remain with Tesla if we went private, the sentiment in a nutshell was, please don't do this. So after considering all these factors, I met with the board of directors and let them know that I believe a better path is for Tesla to remain public. The board indicated that they agree. So the announcement on July 31st and then. The, oh, I'm sorry. He took funding. Yeah, he said he had funding on 31st. It was on August uh, 8th that he made his tweet. Right. So 31st funding, 8th, the tweet, August 13th, another tweet. And then two weeks later. Uh, I don't think this is such a good idea. Well, I still think this is a good idea, but investors don't want this. And today, as of this recording, Tesla stock is at three oh one and sixty six cents, which has been quite a wild right. ride. So a four twenty premium on that would be considerable, more than thirty percent, which right. you know is pretty impressive. And all this to say, I think, is why didn't you do your homework first, Elon? 
Um, Perfectly good question, Mr. Mr. Herbert. Very nicely done. He has said, mm-hmm. like, I'm not a businessman. I'm basically a physicist who's trying to save the planet. But this is another sort of point in that graph that says Elon is really acting a little strangely. And then I was, did you see this story? Something about him headbutting a Model 3? And what? No, I didn't hear this. Well, maybe I'm making this up, but I saw as I was driving back from Fake San Francisco something about him headbutting a Model 3 and people saying, here's another example of him acting sort of like a child being weird. Yeah, all I'm saying, you know, I read through these three articles on the Tesla website on their blog posts. There's one from August 7th, August 13th, and August 24th. And the thing I kept writing over and over again was time suck. What kind of a time suck has this been? I mean, I understand Tesla's a giant company at this point, and they have lots of lawyers, but how much time did Elon spend on this when he could have been like helping to craft the future, the smoother operation of Tesla going forward, making 10,000 threes a week and becoming profitable, etc. I realize that the short sellers and the essentially the worldwide pressure on Tesla to fail is overwhelming at times. But there is an awful lot of people who are smart and have money who feel Tesla needs to succeed like the three in this room and are going to continue to support him even if things don't look so profitable. I'm still going to probably buy stock because I think it's a good buy. Um, but at the same point, it just kind of makes me a little crazy that the, the price of the stock for this year has been like a seesaw up and down and up and, and down it really and up and down. self-inflicted though by him. Yes, yes, exactly. yes. You know, there's a couple of other people I think should put down the Twitter and just sort of work. Yeah, you know what? Two days... After that fateful tweet that we recorded a tweener episode, one Mel Herbert said, Before you have all your ducks in order and some, I don't know, paperwork sent to people who run the NASDAQ or something, (laughs) uh, this seems like, can somebody take the Twitter away from the Elon? This looks like it could be bad. I agree. I'm a genius the way I work that out. You're a genius. Absolute genius. Genius. First you said it, and then the board of directors all said it together. Mm-hmm. Shut up, Elon! So there is more detail. There is more evidence that uh, this stress that he's under and a baseline personality disorder um, is a problem. <laughs> and I love that Elon is going to change the planet. And if anybody in this room knows about baseline, baseline. personality disorders, <laughs> Hello. please, Melvis, I have, expand. <laughs> I have multiple, so I should know. Uh, he did a New York Times piece, so somebody want to summarize this? Yeah, well, this was a long article, and it was actually a series of articles in the New York Times where Elon spoke to them directly. And it, it, the title is Elon Musk Details, quote, excruciating end quote, personal toll of Tesla turmoil. This came out one week after the infamous tweet about going private. It says that during the article taping that, quote, he was struggling to maintain his composure. There's a and I guess he talked with them for over an hour. He, quote, choked up multiple times and highlights of the things like to exhibit the amount of stress that he's under is that he missed almost missed his brother's wedding in Catalonia. He like showed up, I guess, an hour or two before the wedding. He's supposed Private to be jet. like, the, of course, <laughs> trying. he's supposed to be like the best man. He couldn't stay and party afterwards, which is probably the even worse thing, because then he had to go right back to the factory to make sure that they met the 5,000 plus a week Model 3 production rate. When would you like me to insert any of this information that is rolling through my head right now? Well, give me two more seconds. He had to toil away on his birthday. He's uh, taking too much Ambien. Quote, it's often a 
choice of no sleep or Ambien, end quote. It says that uh, Elon has been, quote, working up to 120 hours a week, end quote. He said, quote, there were times when I didn't leave the factory for three or four days when I didn't even go outside. And during the interview, Mr. Musk, quote, alternated between laughter and tears. His friends are really concerned. I think we should all be concerned because this is not sustainable. Okay, so in the last story that you mentioned, you said, oh, I think Tesla is a good stock buy. I think this first little bit that you just highlighted (laughs) proves to me that maybe it isn't. And because it Mm -hmm. feels like somewhere, if if this is what it actually takes to get Tesla on target, there, there's some people missing in this organization. It cannot all be falling on Elon. So he either has to find people who are as as dogged about this sort of thing as him, yes. or he needs to stop being such a freaking control freak, mm. and maybe his presence is not helping. And I don't know. I don't know the guy, obviously. I wasn't on the assembly line. I don't know what's happening. The headbutting article that Mel, uh, or story that Mel just referred to, has to do with him headbutting a car on the assembly line to show the safety engineers that that stops the assembly line. If you touch one of the cars or hit one of the cars, the entire line stops from a safety precaution, even though it's moving at a very slow pace, right? right? So generally, he was basically saying like, I'm upset about this. Stop stopping the assembly line because somebody hits a car. It's not dangerous. Ah, well, that makes sense. So a lot of people were just saying, like, you could have done it with your hand. You could have done it with your foot. That's kind of a weird thing to headbutt the... Well, he was angry. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> but as soon as this New York Times article started to come out, the stock price plummeted because everybody goes, like, here's a guy that's working too much, who's using drugs to sleep. This is a guy who we have seen in public become tearful. So he came out and said, I was not tearful during that thing. None of us believe that. We've right. seen you in front of the world yeah. talking about how hard this is uh, losing your lunch. Ariana Huffington said to him, I guess they're friends, Elon, you've got to stop. This is not sustainable. This is dangerous. He tweeted at 2 a.m., Ariana this is the only way I can get this done. But why? Why is there nobody else at Tesla? Because you said it. This is an obsessive control freak, and I think that is a problem. He has to find a second in charge that he can trust so he can go home I don't want and get second, some sunshine. I don't want the second in charge of my major corporation working 120 hours on the assembly no, line you, floor. No, you, your second in charge does 60, and you <laughs> no, do no, 60. No. I don't want anybody in the C-suite on the assembly line floor in a lot of ways. I get that it happens that they're trying to build this thing, but is it... Is it is is all of that a mechanism of the over promise under deliver kind of situation that he mm. finds himself in? Right? Is it he shoots his mouth off always about these dates of of I'm going to get to this, I'm going to get to here, I'm going to get to here, and so then he puts himself under so much pressure that this is how he has to react. This cannot be productive it or is, sustainable. It is not sustainable. So we all love the Elon. Uh, we love what we're trying to do here, but. Please, Elon, please, slow it down. How about you do a little Disneyland? How about you do a little under-promising and overachieving? Try that. See how that works. <laughs> so with that. It, it sounds like the board is pushing, pressuring, insisting that there be a number two at mm-hmm. Tesla. There's a number two at SpaceX, Gwen Shotwell. She's getting done. She's awesome. Yeah. There's a number two at the Gigafactory, mm-hmm. J.B. Straubel. He's getting stuff done. There is progress at the Gigafactory, which I would love to talk about. Does number 
I hate both of you. We're finally, we're finally having an intelligent conversation on this show. The three of us, uh, like in sync and talking about important stuff that matters, and that comes out. That's right, buddy. You show that turn who's boss. That is so sad that Robert shares the same level of ridiculous humor that I do. Sorry, Tom. It is funny, though. It is. Don't don't get me wrong. People are hilarious. That's Austin Powers, by the way. Yeah. So number two. (laughs) Have you heard any names of who said number two could be? It's going to have to be a very special, very hardworking, smart, be able to get up in Elon's face person. Well, they they went after, or at least interviewed, Sheryl Sandberg, who's, I guess, Facebook's number two, and they were trying to get her to come work there. Elon said openly that if you think you can do it better, come on down, which I thought was kind of an odd statement. And again, one of these swings, which make me feel kind of seasick. That doesn't doesn't sound like the kind of environment I'd like to go into as a number two. You think you're better than me? (laughs) Come Come on. on. Come on. How about if you think you could help us accelerate uh, sustainable energy across the planet? This is a very important uh, lifetime sort of job. I'd like the help. Yeah. Rather than that, it's like, you think you're better than me? Mm -hmm. Oh, you can't do this job. Only I can do this job. And again, it sounds harsh, but it comes from a place of love because this is not sustainable for the company. This is worse than the original Model S like anecdotes that were coming out of right. him sleeping on the line, having a bed at the right. end of the model or in the S X line I mean, or just, the X line. It just keeps growing exponentially. <laughs> but I get that this is like the threshold. Like if they fail here, the company is done. And yeah. so on the one hand, I see Elon sort of losing it. And I just like, dude, you've got to stop because you're going to become a drug addicted nightmare and that's going to fail. But I get that, like, he feels like this is the razor's edge and I had to do it. But going forward, please, whoever's around him, you can't do this again. You've got to set it up so this doesn't happen again. And I don't know if it's maybe I'm being simplistic. I think part of it is just stop over promising. But maybe he felt like he had to do those promises in order to keep the stock price at a place where he could fund all of this stuff. Yeah. But I just, a part of me is like, I wish Apple would just come in with $10 billion and help out. You know, here on the August 24th blog post, they, they, it, it says that this is all for the shared future of life on Earth. And I think that most of us would agree with that. I don't think the folks who listen to the show, for the most part, disbelieve climate change and the potential coming end of civilization. This is that important and that people should step up who have the skill set. People at Tesla should allow for the people to come in and help out, i.e. Elon, this is critically important. Now, maybe he's feeling a little paranoid, like worried that some shorter or some mega organization like ExxonMobil is going to try and sabotage from the inside. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of forces against Tesla right now, and I think we need to continue and talk about that maybe later when we talk about climate change. But on top of the outside forces, do we need additional forces coming from within? Which is basically Elon at this point in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. I really think like the first thing he can do is put the Twitter down. Particularly at night, particularly when you're tired, particularly when you've got Ambient on board, for example, and you say things that then result in the share prices going up and down and getting sued and now you've got to deal with that. 
I just wish that he could put the Twitter down. Make yeah. JB the number two overall. Yeah, why not JB? Well, JB probably already is. Taxed. He's running Gigafactory. He's doing such a I great mean, that's, job. That is truly where Tesla's future lies, as far as I'm concerned. The reason I invest in Tesla is not for cars and production of cars. It's those freaking battery packs. That, that is the largest market by a factor of, I don't know, 50, 100? But if that's the case, then what is the lack of impotence for those multiple lines to be built? I know we're going to get to an article that Panasonic is about to add two more lines to the line of battery lines two more lines to the There's line a lot of battery of lines, lines. Yeah, yeah. We're lining up at here. the giga it's at like the gigafactory but why isn't that then the higher priority or well maybe it is and it's just a matter of you know it's like a locomotive it's you not can't sexy. just get it started it has to actually warm up and go it takes time so this big production of batteries of lithium ion cells it's a locomotive to produce the amount that the world needs you need to number one have the demand for them and the proof of concept that they're working which is happening in australia i mean all the factors are moving along in the right direction but the demand to a lot of extent exists in like people like mel waiting a year and a half for demand his power is not walls, the problem. right like that's not the issue as it pertains to those batteries well so, to make the entire gigafactory the size that it's supposed to be right putting out whatever it is 20 20 gigawatt hours of cells a year mm-hmm. that's a big ass it I, is yeah i don't think there's any yeah the problem is that they are going as fast as they can and that's not fast enough based on capital based, based on, on i think just you know well maybe if like if you built it in china but there is clearly some constraints they would love to have this gigafactory done they would like five of them done but it's capital yeah and it's engineering and it's like atoms it takes a while to put atoms together baby i think it's capital at the gigafactory specifically right because they have not been building construction until recently again and we're going to get to an article there they sort of stopped the box well, exterior, building yeah Right. right, and they've been building like some infrastructure around it to be able to to accommodate the next level of build. Yeah, yeah, capital Apple. I just keep thinking about Apple. I keep thinking about Tim Cook. I wish that was a private company because I'd just like to go over to Tim and say, "Can you just give these dudes ten billion of your two hundred and fifty billion in the bank to help out?" Because just Tim Cook what, is also an environmentalist. Let's get this done. It's just not what they do, though. It's not their strength, and I feel like they're. Like, they don't want to get into that business because it doesn't really but suit don't get them. into it as a business. Get into it as a non-profit. Just give this guy some cash because I'm so distraught about oh, I bet climate Apple change. shareholders might Share. have an issue with That's that. That's why I said I wish Apple was private. Like, here's yeah. $10 billion. Well, no. Apple's a trillion-dollar company. It ain't going to be private anytime soon. We're holding our breath. This is the month where Apple will announce all things coming, Correct. This is the Moscone Center presentation. So, like, maybe they could pivot just a little bit towards the shared future of life on Earth. I would love to hear them talk about where where they are with their self-driving, if they are continuing to work on it in secret. That's a good segue. Yeah. Let's talk about autonomous driving then. Tom. You've been driving autonomously. So I've been doing quite a bit of it, uh, semi-autonomously, in the autopilot uh, of the Model 3. Don't don't say semi. You're getting me excited. Oh, sorry. Getting all hot. I've been... (laughs) 
Because you're going to buy a semi, a roadster, a Model Three. Well, semi and the roadster are the same price. I mean, which would, which, <laughs> would, which, would, which would be cooler? Yeah, which one can you get more stuff in? Driving into Trader Joe's. Which do I want? I, I have. You're not getting a semi into my Trader Joe's parking lot. That's for damn sure. I'd shut the whole place down. <laughs> yeah, you were. Wah, so I don't know wah. about you, gentlemen, and I don't know what your. I'd love to know what your Northern California drive was. How much autopilot you did in there? But I've been doing a fair amount around mm-hmm. the city. Whenever I get on the freeway, I basically turn it on and in. Bumper-to-bumper traffic, I think it works really nicely. I still occasionally have some concerns with it. And if it's kind of busy, and let's say you're doing like 30 or 40 miles an hour, it's kind of that tweener traffic thing. Yeah. The changing of the lanes, I don't necessarily trust it to do. I don't necessarily trust it to kind of sneak in at the last minute and kind of do those Maybe more questionable lane changes than maybe it would work well do. for me. You do that? I it? do it a lot. Yeah. Although I was interested to see, I think it was on Twitter, one of the uh, one of my Twitter followers sent um, either was an e a uh, a video or just a tweet that said that he was using lane change and he did not see a car speeding up on his right side mm-hmm. as he was going to merge to the right, but autopilot reacted mm-hmm. and pushed him back into the lane he started in. So he was well, in so, a three. Okay. So auto, he autopilots on, on, and he has his turn signal on to make the auto lane change, auto lane change to the right. And so the car started to go. Correct. And then a car stopped, was zipping up. Okay. That he did not see at high speed, but the, Tesla reacted and merged back into his lane. I used a lot of uh, the uh, autonomous driving in this last trip in the Model 3, and overall, you know, very good for what it is, which is an assist. Um, it was great in traffic, in heavy traffic. It's fantastic. But it is still way less than a human being. And so we talk a lot about how bad drivers that we are. But when you think about it, this is why it's so difficult. So I'm driving past a lot of trucks. And you know how big semis are. They sort of, they wiggle in and out of the lane and they start to bounce around. And if you're a good driver, you don't drive in the middle of your lane next to a truck as you're passing. You get the hell over there because you know that if that gigantic truck just taps you, that could be the end. You'll be flipping and it'll be bad. So you sort of get your car and you move away and then you accelerate past. But autopilot in the middle does not do that. If it was smarter, it would go, that's a giant truck. I better move over to the left side of this thing to keep away from it. That's, that's the c- subtle stuff that's that it doesn't do. That's coming next. The smart lane assist. Yes. We need it <laughs> smarter. Well, Robert talked about this, I think, in the last episode. We talked about like lane trim, where you can lean a little yes. bit more to the left or a little bit more to the right. And in, in, in Los Angeles, in the fast lane, which is sometimes the carpool lane, sometimes not the carpool lane, but no matter what lane it is, if you're in that lane, the motorcyclists use that that mm-hmm. lane between that lane and the next lane to avoid traffic whatsoever. And in the Model 3, and maybe in the S, I don't know, it seems like probably the case, the car is a little bit too far over. And so you can't really be in autopilot. You have to come out of it to move over to the left to allow those uh, motorcyclists to to drive by you and they wave because they do. They get upset if you're kind of riding yeah, the right. knock your mirrors off. In terms of the safety stuff, I've had a lot of false positives with the you're going to crash the car particularly yeah. as you're turning around the corner. Mm-hmm. But I did have two instances where I was a little distracted more than I should have been yeah. and the car goes, hey, 
Wake up. Right. Da, da, da. And, I'm and like, did thank you, you. Did you find any time while you were driving where it just kind of jerked? Or oh no? yeah, um, there was a couple of times, and they're they're becoming. Uh, I think we've talked about it many times. Overpass, big contrast line of the shadow mm-hmm. versus the uh, road where there's lots of sun shining, and you're doing seventy, and the car goes screeches like right. oh, and then it thinks no nah, that's all right and then it speeds up again yeah i had two episodes when late at night maybe even like early in the morning 2 a.m i'm driving from the 101 east to the 405 south heading home and i'm using now autopilot to uh, i'm i'm using lane change to get into the rightward lane autopilot is transitioning the entire way from one freeway to the other, adjusting the speed down, bringing the speed back up. But as I re-enter the 405, it took the speed way down to like 35 miles an hour. And I'm sitting there. Luckily, there's no cars around me. Nobody's going to hit me. But I'm like, what's going on? What's going to happen next? And watching and watching until I finally just gave up and said, screw this. I'm going to take it or take control. Right. So in that case, do you think it was that location aware it knows it's on an on-ramp and it goes, those are 35 miles an hour, right? And you have your car set for don't go over X the speed limit. No, and I that's think what it's doing. One of those two times what I did and I was, fo- again, it was like two in the morning. Nobody's around me. So I felt comfortable looking at the screen a little more. It thought that I had exited the freeway okay. and was on the street adjacent to the freeway. That's why it brought me down to mm. 35 miles an hour. And I thought... How the f*** could that be happening? I mean, that's like a distance of 40 feet or more, maybe 60 feet that it thinks I'm in a different spot. But that's a weird interchange right there because I think the freeway, the regular roadway maybe goes under the freeway right there. Yeah, actually, there is an as you're going around this right hand hook turn, there's a exit that goes off the freeway and the, the lane in which I'm in is continuing on into the big whatever, six, seven lane highway. So that's the first time that ever happened to me. So yes, you need to pay attention. We're still level two. We're not level four or five. But in bumper to bumper traffic, the thing is amazing. It's such a great way to drive around. Love it. It's a great, you know, one of the other things that I found, the GPS in San Francisco, for example, is um, not so good. And this is true in everything on your phone everywhere. The big buildings have a lot of interference and as I'm driving the car out of the the parking garage, it couldn't work out where the hell I was for about you know two miles. Mm. So if it uses a lot of GPS, it can't be very good because we're already failing with it. So maybe uh, 5G and all this other stuff is going to help with the location. But uh, again, to say it's good, but I'm now back to the people who have said true level four, five autonomous driving is at least five years to a decade away. Yeah, well, Ben Sullins really depressed me as I watched one of his videos, and he said, at least 15 years. Hey, so let's talk about uh, the Giga... Oh, actually, can we go back for a second? Sure. Um, Because this month, maybe dropping soon, like within a week or two, should be version 9 of the Tesla software, which is going to include lots of things, but a big, huge, gigantic update to Autopilot. So uh, that should be happening really soon. We'll see if it it fixes some of these issues that we've had. So a couple of days of super buggy software and then another minor update after that is coming. Well, usually what happens is you get it, it usually happens like this at least here in the United States is you get a you get an update and you run out there like, "Oh my god, this is no, that's not. It's an incremental update." And then like 2 days later you get another update and you're like, "Oh my god, this is it." So they tend to do these little software fixes first and then you get the big drop 
and then do not trust that cow for a while <laughs> because they probably screwed it up. The last update I got was pretty good sized, and then a couple of days later there was another update. Yes, and then uh, and I looked at the release notes, and it just it said was, minor bug fixes. Yeah, mine. I looked I at the like, release minor. notes. I looked at the release notes, and this is what was in my release notes. Oh. A blank page. Blank page. <laughs> and I thought, really? This is with update 8.1, and then in parentheses, 2018.28.5, 377EC8B. Who, please, who comes up with these names? Can't they have, like, a librarian? I mean, how much does we a librarian cost? complain about what they name their freaking release notes. Well, at least you were decimal system. Stop. Yeah, how about Mojave? <laughs> no. So, version 9 coming soon. Um, we're excited to see what it can do. But again, can I please state this as a public service announcement? If you're a new Model 3 driver and you're using um, Autopilot, particularly after there is a big update like 9, do not trust it because... Once you do your testing, you think it's fine, but they're going to push this to hundreds of thousands of people. If there's a bug, every now and then the car will basically just stop or go sideways. Keep uh, keep interacting with that car. Here's Be a, in charge. Here's a good rule of thumb. If a brand new big update comes, wait until the next talking Tesla to hear what's going on, and then you can maybe start using it. I do not know. like 60 days. I do not know any person in the history of the world that doesn't see that little blinking yellow light that says update that doesn't push now. The only oh, reason yeah. I don't push that button push it, is because it's always like 45 minutes. It. You can't drive your car. I'm like, do I need to go anyplace in 45 minutes? Mm, overnight. Let's talk about the Gigafactory Solar Array. There's a cluster, and it's not just this show. It's <laughs> <laughs> occurring uh, in Nevada. High five. Cluster. That's awesome. Yeah, th- there's. Uh, I've been watching the Gigafactory for a while now. Uh, let's see, what, two years? Yeah, because you weren't watching it all before that. You've been watching it since the day they said, hey, we're going to build a Gigafactory. It's exciting to watch the yeah. Gigafactory because it's way out in the middle of the desert and all of these folks with airplanes fly over it and take pictures. And people like Teslarati and Electric go and uh, scour these photos and then there's analysis. And the most recent set of photos shows that there are now more solar panels showing up on the roof and more mounts for solar panels being installed and it looks like we have a solar panel flourishing it's on elect- the roof it is an all-electric factory after all well it's supposed to be and i hope it will be but you know elon made a bit of a uh how would i say promise oh, that Lord. the entire factory would be run by solar and wind energy not only covering the roof with solar panels but also solar panels off to the side and big wind turbines how much of that have we seen we saw one panel, 400 watts. It was a good panel. But now there's a lot of panels up there. <laughs> there's a lot of panels. I tried to count them, but it was impossible because of 11. shadows. I think it was 11. It was a lot of panels. And then I was interested in like the pronouncement that Panasonic is adding three new cell production lines at the factory. This is inside, so we really can't see that. They're expecting them to be operational by the end of 2018. That's a short period of time from now. Uh, There are, like I said, these six additional big clusters of solar panels uh, on the roof. Uh, There's a brand new parking lot, huge parking lot, that they've leveled and graded off to the northwest of the campus. Yeah, that's where Paradise used to be. Paradise. Mm -hmm. They've 
Yeah. The paved paradise. Put, Put up, up a parking, parking lot. lot. You're welcome. <laughs> and so that indicates potentially that all those cars that are parked on the original footprint of the Gigafactory are going to be moved over and more construction begun. So I'm looking forward to that. And then I looked back. Uh, Elon made a tweet on uh, 825 uh, that said, quote, Tesla Gigafactory will be 100% renewable powered. Uh, by the end of next year. <laughs> so my thought is, okay, buddy, you now have 16 months to get that one done. So is this an indication that something at Gigafactory 2 in Buffalo, New York, is is uh, like there's something going on there? So I started looking there. Oh. Yeah. And so it turns out that Gigafactory 2 in Buffalo, uh, which is also a partnership with Panasonic, the building was completed. That was like a year ago. Mm -hmm. And we got excited that they were starting to move stuff into the building. Mm -hmm. Exciting. But now it turns out that Panasonic's uh, module production line is up. It's running. It's churning out modules, or I should say cells. Mm -hmm. Cells are like the four by four inch uh, square uh, you know, Wafer. actual portion of energy generating uh, material uh, that's supposed to go into the roofing tiles. Well, the roofing tiles aren't happening that quickly. One kind is, but not all four kinds. Yeah. And uh, Panasonic has got somewhat of a problem. They've got all these cells that they're producing with no roofing tiles to put them in. And therefore, there's a lot of extra cells. So it looks that Panasonic has been shopping their solar cells from Gigafactory 2 to other people besides Tesla. It's like going to a dance with someone who decides they want to dance with someone else. Been there, done that. Oh, yeah. The sadness really is heavy with me right now. Go on. <laughs> so I wonder how much of this is straining the Tesla-Panasonic relationship. And uh, there's also another little red flag that's risen up. It says in this article from Electric, quote, the issues have also ra uh, rattled the faith of the state officials, that's in New York, in Tesla's ability to deliver on investment and employment promises it made in exchange for $750 million in state subsidies. There is uh, a lot of people who have tried to create the shingles solar cells in the past. And yeah. I remember when they first announced, there were a number of people in this area said they've been working on this for 10 or 15 years, that Elon is going to have uh, a come to... Because it's really difficult to pull this off and do it well. And that's why there's a lot of smart people out there that like to make solar products haven't really been able to pull this off. And he came in very blazingly. He's like, we're going to fix it. It's going to be great. It's, it's uh, Everybody's going to love this. Uh, it's going to be great. And now you're seeing that they're in a bit of production hell with the solar shingles. And I'm glad I didn't wait for them. Uh, two years ago when I thought I would get them. But the issue is more aesthetics from everything I've heard, and we talked about this, I believe, last month, is that they've been able to produce the black version of the roof tiles right. to Elon's aesthetic standards, mm -hmm. but the other ones have become more difficult. Uh, I don't know. Reduce your product line. Make one. Let's right. make it happen. I mean, how many people want it the way it is, the black plain panel? And enough. I'm cool with that. Let's call it 25%. Let's get them out. Yeah. Let's make it happen. Why are they just sticking these cells into standard sort of module square oblong uh, solar panels and selling the crap out of those? Well, well they, they are. Yeah, they are. They are. They're using these 
uh, cells in modules to be sold like through the old solar city line of Tesla to go on people's roofs, both commercial and residential. But here's my conjecture. Let me bring it back to the first story about Gigafactory and panels appearing on the roof. Maybe this is the outlet for Gigafactory 2. They have all these extra cells. They are putting them in modules. Maybe they should just ship all those freaking modules to Gigafactory 1 and get the show on the road. Put your money where your mouth is, Elon. Make things with renewable energy. But it has to do with money, right? Like, where's the money? He doesn't have the extra money to do that right now. So it's sort of a Panasonic's deal. Like, Panasonic put all this money into it and they started producing this thing and they're not willing to sit around and not make money and they probably have a limited amount of storage and they're not going to be... Hey, let's put these free pan. Let's put these panels on our on our factory. I mean, eventually they're going to be giving them panels at cost. But my guess is that Panasonic probably wants to make a little cashola in the interim with all of their investment into Gigafactory One, their investment into Gigafactory Two. Like they're building the sort of guts of these factories in partnership with Tesla, and they want to start seeing some money come back. I think Tom, you and I should do a little uh, Duolingo. Let's learn some Japanese. Uh I think we should be going to the Panasonic shareholder meetings. Maybe. I would like, honestly, to know, like, the Panasonic panels that they're making, according to a list of panels that I looked at today, are probably upwards of the most efficient panels on the market, the 22, up in the 22% efficiency. But what you can't find out is how much does an individual panel cost? Do you have any idea? Because I contacted Tesla recently to see if I could upgrade my panels. When you told me your new panels were three times more efficient than my panels, I was like, A, I wanted to figure out what panels do I have? Can I get twice as much uh, usage out of the same amount of space? And what would those individual panels cost me? And that's a very hard thing to find what an individual high quality Panasonic panel would cost because Tesla, the response I got from them was we're not upgrading people's systems right now. Maybe you should call Panasonic in <laughs> Buffalo. <laughs> hey, buddies, we're, I'm looking oh, for some panels. What's going on? Maybe well, just like the- stand outside and be like, Psst. The single panel cost, I'm sure you could just sort of um, find out, but it's really, it doesn't matter because what really matters, what's the installed cost of the system? So I can buy the panel for $1,000, but I've got to get it installed. No, but my stuff. system's already installed. I just want to swap out my panels. Yeah, but they'll, it'll be less than putting in a new system, but I'm not sure how much. Um, yeah, can your inverters handle it? Can, yeah, because yeah, it's going to be a different a, There's quite a bit of stuff to wattage. it. So if you listen to The Energy Show uh-huh. uh, by Barry Cinnamon, he actually talks about uh, that, that it's less, but it's often you have to upgrade a lot of other stuff as well. So it's not as simple as just taking the panel out and shoving a new one in. Because what I read today was about an average 5-kilowatt system, which is, I think, about 30% more than I currently have on my roof. I think my roof is like a 3.9 in that ballpark-ish sort mm-hmm. of situation, is about eleven to 15,000. And my system was upwards of 30, I think, when I put it in seven That's years ago. That's an amazing drop in, in price. In seven years, yeah. So I can tell you that uh, I'm putting on a, let me do here, 36 panels, and they are 360 watts, so a nearly a 13 kilowatt system, and it's about $50,000 before in uh, you get your federal tax credits and stuff, uh-huh. and so that's 36 divided by, so this little calculation says installed, a new, installed about $1,400 per 
panel. And I have 23 panels on my roof. 23, Tom. Uh, 31000 30, nearly $32,000. Then you get your incentives and stuff, so it's about 20. But that's from the ground. That's from the start. That's starting over. Yeah, that's, I well, just want to basically pull my panels out. And put new panels in. Now, are you having to get a new inverter? Well, this all started because my inverter broke, which is uh, often happens about 15 years in, the old inverters start to break. So instead of spending $3,000 on a new inverter, I was thinking, well, maybe I should put in a new system. So instead of spending 3000 I'm spending about $35. you are an economic <laughs> genius. You really <laughs> so are. Smart. It's amazing. So smart. Yes. Uh-oh. Hello, Talking Tesla Nation. If you've been sitting on the sidelines thinking, oh, it would be a good idea to get solar on my house, this is the time to do it. Move now. Get it done. There's an incentive program. You can use either of our uh, referral codes to get sort of an extension on your warranty. But the bottom line is, stop waiting. The, The environment cannot wait for you. It is true, as Tom and I know, that no matter when you enter this market, at least looking forward for a reasonable amount of time, you will be able to get it cheaper a year from now. And then a year after that, you'll be able to get it cheaper. And a year after that. So I got my panels on my house 12 years ago. They've paid for themselves a couple of times. We talked about this last time. I'm very happy with that. I've been using lots of green energy. And now I'm upgrading and they're three times more efficient, which is great. 12 years from now, Maybe that's going to happen again. Now they're doing these two-sided panels. We might move from the low 20s. We might be moving into the 30s. Just get them now. So just get them now. Enjoy them. Drive around free. And uh, then we've talked about the fact that you can take these panels off and they don't have to go in the landfill. There are two things happening. Um, Again, on the Barry Cinnamon Energy Show, they talk about uh, recycling, which is a bit depressing because they lose money, but there are people that will recycle. And also just taking them off and putting them into somebody who can't afford it uh, through, and I can't remember the name of the company that does it, but there are companies that will do that. Take yours off and you give them to somebody else. When's your new system going to come? I don't know. I got a little email last week saying uh, engineering is occurring. Okay. So hopefully soon. I can't wait to get them. I just am so excited that instead of making 5000 Watts, kilowatts, uh, at a, at the peak of the day, I'll be making ten or eleven or twelve. That's going to be exciting. How about a supercharger update, please? Oh goodness, go! Can we talk about superchargers ad nauseum on this show? We didn't put an update in there. We haven't yet. No, because I didn't want to go out of order. You know, order is so important. But you're going out of order now. It's true. And so, supercharger update since our last show on the tenth of August, uh, we have 17 new superchargers. Wow. Yeah. We've had- Not uh, in San Francisco. No. San Jose. Do you know the way to San Jose? And so one of one of the superchargers that caught my attention was Jacksonville, Florida. Hi, Jacksonville. You know what's really amazing about Jacksonville, Florida? Every- body of water in Jacksonville has an alligator in it. So the last thing was at the new San Jose Supercharger, which just opened two days ago, Uh that was interesting because people uh, in the Tesla community noted that they have not only supercharger parking spots with the little red Tesla sign, supercharging, parking only, etc. They have a group of parking spaces that are Tesla queuing parking spaces. 
So what does that mean? Like you're in line for the supercharger? Yes. Because evidently it's a very busy Target parking lot and there's no room for cars to just be sitting out mm-hmm. waiting in the driveway yeah. of the parking lot that they've created these parking spots where you can queue. And there are actually signs that say no queuing in this area where people might line up. And this is in a Target parking lot? Correct. So that's pretty cool because it's a private company, private property, and they have taken a space from their own parking lot to make it easier for people to line up and wait to supercharge, which I uh, think is pretty cool. I don't like the fact that you are queuing for your supercharger. We need God, to, here do we want go to, again. No, 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 do, no, it's enough. It's enough. So, it, I, you know, people in the Tesla community have noted that they thought it was going to be messy, right? You pull into a parking space that's marked Q. How do you know you're the next one? How are you going to keep an eye that people aren't going to snipe and jump in in front of you? And somebody conjectured that in V9, autopilot, or I should say V9 software update, there may be a queuing function. So when you arrive at a supercharger and it is full and you say, I want a supercharge, it comes back and says, you're number two. Hold on a second, Mel. Calm down. Settle. Um, no, no, no. They, they had to put engineers to making queuing. This can't be going well for Mel internally. Right uh, how about here's another idea? <laughs> how about you have enough superchargers so there's no queuing? <laughs> <laughs> but you know the the range of demand for supercharger in urban areas is going to be wild. It's going it to swing is. from two at two in the morning to you know two or three x during the high point of the day. Do not confuse me with your facts and your realities. <laughs> I don't care. I understand that sometimes you need a hundred superchargers and sometimes you need one. I don't care. Not my problem. Uh, just make it happen. <laughs> he right? wants the hundred. I want the hundred at all times. I don't care that then most of the time when you drive by, there's 50 stalls and they're all empty. Not my problem. Yeah. Actually, well, somebody, it is a huge problem. Yes. I get, I'm being facetious, but it is an issue. There is this huge fluctuation. I don't know how to fix it, but I know that uh, it is a problem if you have a lot of supercharged and a lot of people queuing. It's Here's just a picture I'm good. showing, Mel, of the <laughs> of the last update to the San Jose Supercharger uh, blog or Tesla Club uh, blog page, mm-hmm. and it shows a single white Tesla plugged in. It's 11 at night, no doubt, but... It may be one of the last times this person noted it'll be like that. Now, in the future, when we get the snaky chargers that we talked about probably in episode eight of this show that we still don't (laughs) have and autopilot, which we still don't have, the cars could be driving out of our garages all over the country and charging themselves at night, which would be a good use of the supercharging infrastructure at nighttime. For example, sorry, uh, that if you're at the Marriott and it's 3 a.m., rather than having to wake up and see if they've plugged it in, the car is just going to drive down the street to the urban charger, charge itself up and come back to the Marriott so it's all charged in the morning. Wouldn't that be great? It's not going to happen for a while. Mel Hates Charging is currently the name of this show. Hashtag. I love charging (laughs) at home. Mel Mel Hates Tesla Charging. Hashtag Mel's Charging Envy. (laughs) (laughs) And so one last thing I want to say is that Urban Eater, one of the contributors here, noted that of the most recent builds in the Bay Area, that's the San Francisco Bay Area, all but one include level two chargers, which I thought was interesting. So they have charge point chargers, like three or four, at each of these supercharger installations, and that they're at targets. So there's some, some symbiosis between target, charge point, 
Tesla. This is sort of what we need. We need to have centers through at which people can dependably go charge their car and during the daytime, you know, go and spend money on stuff. At because Target. America needs more consumerism. That's what we all need. Is hey, to, that's to what be, brings people together. Yeah. To hey, charge. but it, it's so good to like go when you're on a trip to it's plug true. in and then I just need a Diet Coke and a Whiz, not necessarily in that order. And it's great that Target is the place that I'm going to deposit my Whiz and pick up my Diet Coke. Yeah, no, I think that is nice. And I think that whenever I'm at a supercharger adjacent to an outlet mall, um, I problematically, the cost of the supercharging becomes a very small amount of what's being spent at that outlet mall. Sure. Uh, note to REI, if you would like to make a lot more cash, put a lot of superchargers <laughs> in the parking lot. Because oh, wow. I too go, oh, there's an REI over there. <laughs> when have you walked out of REI empty handed? Never. That would be never, yes. Because they have such cool things in there. It's true. It's true. And Mel's such a camper. I mean, he's uh, a huge yeah, fan. As a guy that doesn't camp, <laughs> I still manage to find things. Oh, knife. Oh, gum. He's an outdoorsman. Oh, bear traps. I need one of those. <laughs> so did you finish your supercharger update? <laughs> yes, 17 more, Jacksonville, smelly... Uh, yeah. Alligators, blah blah blah, Leonard and San Jose. It's all good, man. No Leonard Skinner. Canada, <laughs> Austria, Portugal got, Ooh. and China got like a six new superchargers. Yeah, what do you think the Portuguese think about our bitching about supercharging here in California? They're like, Those they're guys like, are what's an EV? <laughs> <laughs> Although Portugal had like what a day this summer that was a hundred and thirteen degrees. That's upsetting. The world is on fire. I don't know if you knew that, and we should probably accelerate the. Uh, Use of a you know renewable energy. You think somebody so? should do that? We should have started in 1980. Uh, let's talk about uh, the crew arm because boy, this is a long show. As always, this is pretty exciting. So they finally installed the crew arm at Cape Canaveral. 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 What's in uh, your navel? Great grave gravel. Yeah, great gravel. Canaveral. Canaveral at LC-39A, a very, very famous launch site in the history of the U.S. and, coincidentally, the World Space Program. Absolutely. It was the site of the last crewed space flight to take uh, take to the skies from the United States, which space was shuttle. July 8th, mm -hmm. 2011, when the Atlantis lifted off in its final mission to the ISS. The International Space Station. Also, historically, Apollo 8, which sent humans to the moon for the first time in orbit, and Apollo 11, which landed men on the moon, also took off from LC-39A. And there's a movie coming out Ooh. all about Armstrong yes. and his trials and tribulations and yeah. his family's trials and tribulations should be out in the mm -hmm. matter of weeks. First and last launches of the space shuttle happened on this launch pad, Fantastic. as well as four of the five Hubble telescope servicing missions. So that's pretty cool. There's some really cool pictures of it. They made it look very nice. And this will basically be used to throw uh, astronauts into the Dragon capsule for jettisoning to the L space station. Are they going to throw them in there? Well, I mean, you know, like this, like the metaphorical throwing. Okay. And SpaceX, or I should say NASA, announced the actual astronauts who will be going up with SpaceX and the astronauts will be going up with ULA, United Launch Alliance. Is Mel one? No. Yeah, I didn't notice my name. Hmm. That's weird. I always wanted to be an astronaut. Did you? Yeah. So did Actually, I. Uh, part of me coming to uh, this country was I worked for NASA and I was doing research and I'm like, I think I would like to be a, an astronaut. And then I thought, but in space, nobody can hear you scream. 
And I thought about all those. And the listeners at Talking Tesla say, why doesn't he broadcast from space? (laughs) (laughs) Can they hear you rant? Give Bill a microphone in uh, space so that we can't hear him. (laughs) Let's talk about the the Hyperloop, which is continuing to move on. Now, for an organization that's sort of a one percenter, that uh, is just a game, there seems to be a lot of announcements about future things that it will do. Yeah, and given the tenor of this show and all of the announcements that we've been pushing back upon and the non-announcements that come from the Elon, I'm, uh, I feel a little bit dubious. I'm, I want to believe, I want to love the fact that we're moving towards non, uh, how would I say, transportation that doesn't pollute so much. Mm-hmm. And so Hyperloop and uh, Boring Company Tube transportation are all electric based they are renewable sources of energy yes then they would be wonderful the best that we could hope for at this point and so one more boring company project has been announced it's called the dugout loop mm-hmm. dugout hmm. it's an interesting that? name yeah hmm. yeah because they have to doing? dig it out or it's going from the dugout? Mm-mm. Dodger mm. Stadium, are you talking Dodger about? Dodger Stadium, ah. exactly. Baseball, dugout. And so the Boring Company announced that they're going to shuttle people from and to Dodger Stadium. Have you you guys have been to Dodger Stadium, I imagine? I have, many, many It's times. a mess. If you don't leave like an inning and a half before the end of the game, it's like an hour just to get out I can of the give parking you some lot. secrets, but I'm not gonna because they're my secrets. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll go with how, you the next time. I'll tell you how I do it. Here's what I do. I get there late. After and I leave park, early. And I leave early. Yeah. And I'll get a beer and a hot dog. And I'll get out. Because the baseball thing that you're doing down there, I don't really care about. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you going then? To get a beer and a hot dog. You know you can do that almost anywhere. You what? Yeah. There's beer and hot dogs all over the place there in America. Is? Yeah. You don't have to go to the no. Dodger Stadium? Mm-mm. No, they're all over. I thought over. they only had them there. No, they're all over the place. I've know. been misinformed. I have a beer and a hot dog in my pocket right now, as a matter of fact. Can I have one? I'm not going there. <laughs> oh, my God. You people are dirty. Go on. Please tell us about this story. And so, this is the fourth project. The fourth project that they have announced. They've shown a map. It's going to go under Vin Scully Way, who's a very famous guy as far as Dodger Stadium goes. And it's going to go to one of three sort of metro line uh, transportation hubs. I'm kind of wondering. It's It seems very interesting that they're going to... Uh, do this all with private funding under public roadways. They're going to buy a bunch of plots of land along the way for like ventilation uh, shafts and such or rescue shafts. And then at the end, they're going to build their own station on private land. They must already have got the land bought because you wouldn't like announce this and then have people just totally raping you for the cost of the land. And so, um, uh, they, uh, I just was wondering, you know, when you get to the end of the high, of the boring company loop thing, do you have to get out and actually surface onto the surface of the street and then go back down into the metro? Will they have it connected like in New York where they have the different uh, subway lines? I'm really looking forward to it. It really would be cool. Uh, but then I had to learn about astroturfing. I don't know what that is. I didn't either. I was like, what the hell is this? I'm starting to look, read and read. Turns out, just like uh, before the boring company wanted to come to Culver City, they went to the Culver City City Council. I 
was there. Before they were going to go under L.A., they went to the the wise temple up on like uh, just north of Sunset on Sepulveda to do another presentation. Well, evidently, they didn't send me the the notice for this one. Sorry, Robert. I know. And so they held a presentation at Dodger Stadium and a bunch of people from the public who lived in Los Angeles spoke in favor of this project. But it turns out they were all Hyperloop, I should say, boring company employees. Mm. And uh, there was this big kerfuffle over, uh, you know, boring company trying to, to astroturf to make it look like there's more positive feedback than there was. If you look at the picture, there was like a handful of people who showed up. Hello, why didn't you let any of us know? I live in L.A. County, at least, but there are plenty of people who live in L.A. City who would have loved the opportunity to go there, see Dodger Stadium, maybe get a hot dog, maybe get a beer when there wasn't a game and there wasn't all this traffic. And all this to say that the capacity, the stated current capacity of this transportation system, let's call it, from somewhere unknown in East L.A., adjacent to one of our red line stations, to Dodger Stadium, will be 1,400 people or 2.5% of stadium capacity. So, again, incremental steps, very, very happy, True very, very positive about it, and it'll only potentially be a dollar. I would love to have them coming from every direction, so hopefully yeah. it works, and it feels like it will be financially not viable. Let's just call it what it is, because 1,400 people at a buck, a Hey, is it's like twenty eight hundred bucks a night, right? Yeah, you know, times uh, eighty two games a year because eighty one games, home games without playoffs. So we're not talking about so a lot of money. Take twenty years to pay this thing off. Um, call me, uh, call me no longer the fanboy I was. No longer the fanboy. No longer the fanboy. Thank boy. you for calling me that. Um, so who's paying for this? Elon, uh, how long is this going to take? Is this really going to happen? Is it going to have fully? Uh, Renewable energy, but they're powering it because now I've been around the block a few times with this young fella called Elon. Uh, he said all of these same kind of things before, particularly like when it comes to the supercharger network. When they first announced it's all going to be 100 percent renewable, and I go to a lot of superchargers in the last few weeks, and guess how many of them have solar panels on them? Yeah, none of them, or one of them. So again, this is all great, but do you have the cash to do this? Is this really going to happen? Is it going to have a renewable energy? Um, I used to get sucked into the, this is so exciting, so exciting, but now I'm a bit more about, uh, I'll believe it when I see it. But this is a boring company thing. So this is Elon's cash or whoever, if there are investors in the boring company, you know, there, which there probably are at this point. But I think if you look at this uh, boringcompany.com forward slash dugout, it's interesting because it gives you a look at a potential new kind of transportation system and it allows them to build this model A, in a way that will be somewhat useful and be able to see, A, what is the actual capacity of this particular type of thing so you could do this in the future at other places. Again, if they can make this work, there are in this country and in a lot of other countries a lot of stadiums that have a lot of people that attract, you know, and some of them have good public transportation and some of them don't have such great public transportation. So to me, this is exciting and and a little small kind of model for what we could be looking at in the future. So, yeah, I see it that way. This is a test. This is a model. Let's see how it works. Because I agree, there's a three-dimensional space underneath the ground, which could solve a lot of the problems on the top of the ground so you if a- this works. you agree that underground is a three-dimensional space. So that's, I, that's pretty good. 
I will get back to you that I need to do some more <laughs> thinking. Let's talk about the truck, can we? Um, there's a lot about the truck that's been going on, um, and I'm not talking about the semi. We have been seeing a lot of the semi, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But I'm talking about the truck. Elon has been suggesting that the truck is going to get here uh, faster than they'd hoped. Um, they, he's been suggesting that this is going to be the best of all of the cars that they've made. The Tesla pickup truck. The Tesla pickup truck. And then we have Marcus Brownlee interviewing him saying, we really need to get to the point where we can basically create not one car at a time, but two or even three cars at a time. And big manufacturers do like 10 cars at a time. So all of this to suggest that I think we might see, we might see an announcement of not only Model Y, but truck at the same time next year. This is my theory that they're going to do the double whammy and they're going to try and bring them to market at the same time, potentially, possibly, and talk about you know fantasy here, Mel, in 2019. But where are they going to build them? At gonna, the, in at in the Nevada? Giga, it's going to have to be at the Gigafactory. It can't be in Fremont, right? Fremont's done. It's got to be at the Gigafactory. It's just my theory that they're going to be able know. to do truck Gigafactory, and why. Gigafactory is isolated. Do we, the problem with Gigafactory is that to build a pickup truck, you're going to have parts that are going to come from, I don't know, 400 sources. All these parts need to converge. Being near a port and a rail hub is essential. And Gigafactory is not that place. But if they have semis, autonomous electric semis, that helps a little bit with that that uh, logistical nightmare that you mentioned. But okay, so so then if they are going to do this, and at the end of 2019 they're going to start producing a truck and a Y, they have to do it somewhere. Yeah. They can't do it in Fremont. The only place that makes sense is the Gigafactory, and even that almost doesn't make sense because, A, we don't know how much of the current Gigafactory space is being utilized by the one line of batteries, right? We don't know if it's 5% or 10% or 20%. It's like 1 million square feet. And then they're on top of that, Panasonic is going to add two more lines of batteries, and they're going to try to drop in let's say, two more assembly lines, one for Y and one for the pickup truck. And again, this is wild speculation, and I do uh, believe that. But they're, you know, what are, how? Can Yeah, I agree with you. I think everything you said is correct. Like, can you go down to, like, Toyota or GM and say, hey, can, uh, you know, you got a factory that's not doing too much. Can you build us some trucks and then we'll slap a little electricity on the bottom of them? Right, but then you have the situation is now if all of the battery packs are being made in Nevada, now you have to get those sleds to Detroit or they can to other parts of the country guess... where there are auto factories, right? And then you have to have Ford and GM, I don't know, being like, sure, we'll help out our biggest potential long-term competitor. Well, it's just a fantasy. I was just trying it out. I'm just curious, uh, you know, like that. That it is. It's an interesting idea and an interesting thought process, but that would require a sea change in the way that these companies are approaching automobile. Well, we. This is really like adding the truck is not that big a deal. It's like the why, which the why they believe, and I think they will create. Much more than they of Model Three, or have more demand than Model Three. Where the hell is they going? Is they going to do the Model when, Y? But when you say things like adding the truck is not that big of a deal, the biggest selling cars in this uh, yeah. country are the trucks. Ford makes all of its money off the F one. I guess I should say it another way. They already have this mountain they've got to climb, which is <laughs> where are they going to make a million a year Model Ys? We don't even know that. I mean, if you want to really change things, in my opinion, truck before Y. Yeah, uh, you could make that argument very strongly because 
The Americans, they love their trucks. And in fact, I don't need a truck, but if there was a Tesla truck, I'd be like, I wouldn't mind one of those. Dual cab. And then we could sit here for months ridiculing you on why you would need a gigantic Tesla truck to carry nothing. Oh, my golf clubs. Oh, yeah. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, let's talk about the semi for a second. And this is from Tesla Rati. Uh, we've been seeing more and more about it. It's out on the road. They're doing a lot of testing. Uh, they're taking it to different people who are interested in buying it. What I found all interesting. All around the country. All around the country. Yeah. So this is one article about a, the 300-mile range hand-built carbon fiber version, which has been doing a lot of testing. Mm-hmm. And what I found interesting is like, where are they charging? Oh, it? that's I what I want to know. Where do they charge these puppies? Yeah. They go to a standard supercharger. Yep. They take like four or six of the little uh, cordy cords. Yes. They put these giant extension cables on. Yes. And then they pluck it into the truck. Oh, my God. Can you imagine the level of anger? Oh, I was thinking the same supercharger thing. that Mel pulls into. And first, his instant. Okay, there's 10 spots and five of them are taken up by this Tesla Semi. And it's driving all the other charging rates way the hell down because it's yeah. mega charging. Mel would be initially super excited and then so angry that they were taking up five spots. No, I would be, I'd wet myself. I'd be looking at the truck. It's all great. And you're right. Five minutes later, I'm like, now unplug the damn thing because I need to charge my car. But it was fascinating. Um, and it does bring up again, where are they going to put the mega charges? How fast are these things going to be? They need 1.6 megawatts of energy to charge these trucks. It takes six or eight normal Tesla supercharger to charge this thing up. What? Ha, I what's see, happening? I want to see that thing plugged into five superchargers. Is there a video of that? On out this, there? Yeah, yeah, on there this Tesla Rati uh, article, there's a video of it. I was surprised and disappointed to see them doing it number one in daylight, unless of course they wanted to get a bunch of Tesla freaks looking at it and videotaping it and such. But I would hope they would be doing it at nighttime, not to incur the wrath of other Tesla go uh, drivers who are disappointed that the truck is screwing with their vacation plans. But in this article, they don't show, and I just skimmed through the video, they don't show like the actual charge rate. Do they talk about it in this article? No, but I would love to see the screen on the inside of the semi oh, showing like, all the different superchargers uh-huh. it's connected to and the charge rate coming from each yeah. one. You know, maybe they could be using this for some sort of balancing or analytics to see what's going on with all the superchargers, but I also would love to see the supercharger extension cord. That's a cool idea That's because be expensive. every so often you get to a supercharger and some schmuck is parked like with a car that is not supercharging or yes. a big truck that's got a big trailer on it and they've yes. decided to pull in and block whatever. They don't really care. They're not noticing. But it would be nice to have that extension cord. That would be a big, thick, long extension cord. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the car, 200-pound extension cord. <laughs> totally worth it. Or maybe they just have one in a lockbox that you access with your fob for those times. Oh, now you're mm. thinking. Hello. Nice. I'm pretty Look smart. Look wow. At you. That's a good idea. Because that does happen amazing. every now and then that somebody ices you, and if you had an extension cord, you just plug it. Next and then door. you park right in front of them and then plug your car in yeah. and then leave. I would so do that. And when they come back, they you can find be your angry car all you. smashed up. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope. How does America use its land? 
Oh, this was very interesting, and it's not necessarily amazingly related to the show, but I found it really interesting. There's a great infographic on this Bloomberg, so it's Bloomberg.com forward slash graphics 2018 U.S. land use. Basically, just search how America uses its land, and it's going to show up. And most of it, what do you think the number one use for America's land like? Is. Sup- is I think it's probably the extensive amount of superchargers that are. <laughs> <laughs> it has absolutely nothing yeah. to do with supercharging. No, it's, it's actually pasture it's land very, for cows. Yeah, it's very carbon intensive. And most urban dwellers live in a space of about a million acres. And how no, many- no, that's not. That's inaccurate. It's, so it's three point seven percent of the total size. Of the states, of the 48 uh, contiguous states, four in five Americans live and work in 3.6% of our land. And we use like 80% of the world's resources. Yeah. That's, well, that's So sad. when you start to talk about, uh, you know, again, trying to change the planet, the thing is to stop eating meat as much as possible. It yeah. honestly is. That I mean, is there's big. this one, one map that I'm looking at right now that shows this enormous orange square that dominates the country yeah. and that is cow pasture and yeah. range and that's and some of it's private I mean, some of it's public. some of it is carbon that is re-sequestered right the cows are breathing oxygen and fixing carbon dioxide into their bodies they are producing methane mm-hmm. they're all these lands they do grow you know whatever scrub grass and such but there's there's a uh, it's very carbon intensive to eat meat very very carbon intensive and uh, uh, don't freak out everybody you can still have your meat we just need to reduce it and tom does this thing where weekday vegetarian yeah. so you during the week uh, you don't eat meat and then you're like on saturday night you go and have your steak or whatever and that's one way to do it and you other eat, people or do you can it eat one day a week and they right. just in next month i'll do two days a week where i don't eat meat so that you can sneak up on it or if you're going to the store and you want to have a steak for your family just think instead of 16 ounces per person four ounces and that is a huge, huge uh, reduction. Another interesting thing that I saw in this particular thing is basically a hundred of the largest land-owning families own an amount of land the size of Florida. Talk about your one percenters. Pretty amazing. But this is a really interesting way to see how our land is being used. They even like have a listing of how much is on fire at any particular time, how much timber land is on fire, private and public, national parks, state parks, all of that stuff. So it's really quite interesting. And then if you if you then look at in comparison to the cows pasture range, horses, sheep, goats, all that other stuff, and then you talk about it in terms of just the food we eat. Mm-hmm. Like that's a much much smaller box. So the cows, and then the other squ- the size of livestock feed, is twice as big as the as the food we all eat. In other words, it takes a lot more green stuff to make a steak than it does to make the green stuff on your plate. It, it is incredibly inefficient, and the water resources is incredibly inefficient. And I think that people. A lot of people have known about this, but it's for me, it's all like, oh, my gosh, it really is right. very inefficient to do it this way. And this article brings it home in a very visual way that makes it kind of seem a little kooky to continue on on the path that we are uh, continuing and on. And this explains why if you drive past my house now, you'll see me grazing directly on the grass in the front of the house rather than having a steak. It's weird. But I'm trying to do the right thing. <laughs> yeah, well, at least I'm going to stick to just eating your artichokes out of the backyard. 
Fair enough. And speaking of eating, you know what I had when I was in San Francisco? Lovely. Avocado toast with some eggs. Oh, delicious. It's the big thing here on the West Coast. Avocado toast. Avocado is that the first toast. time you've had avocado toast? <laughs> I've had it before, but it was just like, it really is quite delicious. Well, it's amazing. Uh, it's one of the great, and you're probably going to tell me now that avocados are incredibly inefficient and I shouldn't eat them. Well, no, the actually, nice thing about in California is that we grow a lot of avocados true. here, so they're very local. So it's a very good thing to eat if you're a locally They're a sustainable season. crop. I mean, that's a mm-hmm. tree that, that, I don't know if it came from here, but it certainly thrives here. It I does, it, yeah. It does very well here. Might have come from Australia? No. no. Oh, I doubt it. I'm trying it's to remember where the delicious. avocado came from. Somewhere tropical. I'll look it up. Actually, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, according to the wick that is Pedia, the avocado is a tree long thought to have originated in south-central Mexico, classified as a member of the flowering plant family Laurentiae. The fruit of the plant, also called an avocado, is botanically a large berry-containing single seed known as a pit or stone. There you go. Thank you. It's it came wonderful. from a tree, I believe. I, I eat one a day. Really? Yeah. You're probably going to die of hyper-avocadoism. <laughs> Let's talk about the media pick of the week, which we used to do. Tom hates. I don't care. But this media pick of the week this is fantastic. And stellar. oddly enough, this was going to be a random media pick that I wanted to talk about today, this very podcast. No shit. Because I heard it. It was Friday's The Daily. And it was. it made me so sad because I grew up in this era, right? I, I, I consider myself... Oddly enough, very young was an environmentalist of some sort because I was very anti-establishment. So you were early to the environmental movement. I was born in 1969. I like was obsessed with whales and like Greenpeace became like a very big part of my life very early on. Yes. In terms of just watching and seeing what they were doing for it started with Jacques Cousteau and then it went from him you know, talking about the oceans to Greenpeace, really talking about saving the oceans. Yeah. And then in all of this time, it was the CFCs and the mm-hmm. hole in the ozone in 1980. So this story from the Daily kind of goes through where we were at that point and a And a president uh, uh Reagan was elected and basically was sort of the beginning of the end of the beginning of the end yeah. for the environmental movement in its nascent stages back then. Right. And then Bush one uh, came out in his campaign saying all the right things and doing none of them. Right. And and Reagan did what our current president is trying to do. He put people at the EPA that didn't know what the hell they were doing because he didn't believe in it. Now, a lot of Superfund sites came out of the Reagan administration that were still having to deal with the cleaning up or whatever. But this uh, daily, it was the August 31, 2018. It's called When We Almost Stopped Climate Change. And it is one of the best dailies they've ever put out. Um, that's a difficult statement to say because The Daily is the most amazing podcast that every day during the week they put out the most amazing quality of a podcast. It is spectacular. I don't know how many producers they have. It's so good. Yeah, this was incredibly good, incredibly depressing, and occurring again. You know, like you were saying, it's not that they put stupid people in front of the EPA. They just put people who had an agenda, and the agenda was screw the planet. It's all about profit, 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 and, uh, I'm hoping that in the next election, in the midterms, for example, that the people will be smart enough to say, do you really want more coal plants? Do you really want 1,500 more people dying every year? Do you really want more mercury in the air? And just go down as one of the arguments against the current administration is like their environmental policies are basically F the planet. 
And and what they say in this in this episode, and it really came to light for me, was if we would have made the small incremental changes starting then in 1980, we would not be forced to make the big changes that we need to make right now that may in the end not be successful. Right. So we've gotten to the point where where you're almost probably where even scientists think that like the drastic changes that we would need to make may not be successful in in reversing it completely. And like I said many times on this show, this is not a problem for the earth. This is a problem for us living on it. Yes. Wow. I think we should be recording on Sunday mornings cuz you you're so eloquent. I'm woke. Yeah. I'm fully impressed. Woke. Um, and this is why I will never buy another car that is not a Tesla, because when you see the Exxons and the General Motors and they want to roll back the environmental laws, and enough already. We are destroying this planet. And I don't give a damn now about people who um, are upset about, well, is the science really in the science? In? Enough already. Stop it. We are destroying the planet. We have got to fix it immediately. Yeah, this, this, oh. I just thought John Sununu. Yeah. Damn. Right. But it but it also shows that like things could have been done, right? So there was at this point a giant hole in the ozone. That's what kind of started this. This scared the crap down. out of us. I know. So the world said no more CFCs and there is no hole in the ozone. It was something that you couldn't see. Correct. Right? But that pe- but people believed that it existed. They actually believed the scientists. I know. And the and the corporations were like, Okay, we believe you. And we're going to make this change. And, yes. and and are we worse off because we don't have CFCs? Has our economy not grown 50-fold since this time? Right. And my food still stays cold. My air conditioner works. Right. My car air conditioner works. Exactly. All without CFCs. Damn it. It's and a so, bit upsetting. Let me let me just quote the, la- the, clo- the closing of the show. It's not too late. There are plans out there that present a pretty clear path towards solving this and keeping global temperatures under 2 degrees Celsius rise. But what is lacking is the political will to achieve the kind of information, transformation of our energy system and the global economy that's required to do this. I don't think we're going to muster up that level of political will unless we understand the issue in moral terms and until everybody or most people feel some sense of moral obligation to demand action. And let's be honest. The United States needs to lead this. Absolutely. And California is trying to jumpstart the lead again by, I think there was an article, we don't have it talked about, where by 2045, 100% renewable in a state that has a lot of hydro, which people don't love, has a fair amount of nuclear, which, again, people don't love. So this is... Actually, the nuclear is all going away. Attainable, right? Yeah. This is attainable, and we'll hopefully we'll get there. And it is great to see this state leading because the rest of the nation tends to follow uh, reluctantly, but they do tend to follow. Let's do letters because I could lose my lunch over this. Uh, so Patrick Knowles. Price increases. So Patrick's talking about the fact that, uh, you know, there's this $35,000 Tesla that's supposed to be out there. But every time he looks at the site, you know, the price of the paint's gone up and now you got a dual motor. And was this a bait and switch? Are we ever going to see this? And I would suggest, Patrick, that this is not bait and switch, but bait and wait. So you say there's going to be a $35,000 version. 
Um, but it'll get there. You're just going to have to wait because they really need to make expensive cars in order to pay all of the money for all of the things we've talked about that they're going to do. It will happen. Right. It's going to be a while. And they need to make that money, again, to add more lines, to make the making of the batteries more efficient so they can actually make a profit on the $35,000 car. Love this next uh, article, Pictures of Australia. Not like the Sydney Opera House, but the Tesla store. So is this guy Lachlan Grant? Yes. Lachlan Grant's from Melbourne, mate. That's uh, where I went to school. I consider it sort of my home city, mate. Uh, And they had some Model 3s out there, and they were showing them off, and then beautiful pictures. Did you notice this picture, though? It's a left-hand drive, not a right-hand drive. Exactly. And he's like, when are we going to see these? And I say, bait and wait, mate. (laughs) (laughs) 40-minute line for lots and lots of people waiting to see it. All reservation holders keep up the good faith. Love to see it. Now, uh, Joel Sapp uh, Hi, Joel. is uh, you know, a good friend of the show. Love him. And he's like got all of these ideas about uh, how we should fix the show. <laughs> and uh, He wants us swimming in cash. He wants us to have a lot of cash. Now, one of the things that I have been thinking about is that maybe what we can do is that once a month there's so much to talk about. We, we would really like to be doing this more frequently. But it's hard. It takes money. You've got to uh, you've got to have some money to do it. So I wonder if we did a Patreon thing where we put out a second show for just patrons, a full show, and the minimum buy-in was like three bucks, whether people would be into that. So if you're interested in us doing a second full show a month just for the patrons and get as many patrons as we can to do that, to pay for it, uh, I'd love to hear from you. Or yeah. if you say, no, I'm not going to do that, I'd like to hear from you. Well, yesterday I was supposed to be doing work for work, and instead... About 50% of the time, I was doing work for Talking Tesla. So it's true. It takes a lot of time to make this a good, a great, make Talking Tesla great, great. again. You know uh, what? Uh, you know what? You guys, <laughs> I will leave if you do not stop. Nobody can make this great again. It was never great to I don't like with. to hear that anymore. Thanks, uh, Joel. Model X, I haven't actually looked at this. Model X air suspension and tire wear. I didn't watch that. Is, what is it? Does it show that uh, Model X and air suspension is bad for tire wear? Uh, I don't know, but I expect that it's probably going to show that it wears on the inside like we've spoken before. Dan, I'm going to go look that. Dan Whitley, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Jason? Planer? 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 Somebody tell me about this one. Planer? It's about Model 3 in Australia. What? Yes, again. So same thing again, basically, that uh, Model 3's uh, arrived. Arrived, but uh, Jason, bait and wait. Bait and wait. That's that's what we've learned. I'm just curious how many orders there are for Model 3 in Australia. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the tent that they are using in Fremont to mm-hmm. construct the performance yeah. Tesla Model 3s. I wonder if they will convert it to making right-hand drives or if the design is such that they can just flip it all and it's just a matter of, you know, a different wiring harness or a wiring harness change or just the dash is different with the pedals. I, I have a feeling Well, that they have to flip the motor, right? Because the whatever pedals, you know, attach to the motor. So there's probably... No, they're not. It's some, all fly-by-wire. No, it's probably just a no whole linkage. assembly they just drop in and it's on the right side instead of on the left side. It's probably very easy. My guess Just is, like yeah. they do that on the Model S line. But the answer to his question... So his real question is he'd love to hear our thoughts on Model 3 delivery in Australia. And I think you hit it what the actual sort of thing is. It depends on how many deliveries, how many orders there are for those, whether or not 
you know, those are the higher end. Obviously, they have to be the higher end ones. And then how many, you know, cars they can ship at once. And then it is also, like you said, flipping an assembly line to start really making right-hand drives in earnest. I have one kind of sinking thought for all the friends in Australia making me think Mm -hmm. they are not going to get their cars for at least a year. And that is the federal tax yeah. Uh, rebate program that is phasing out over the next 12 months right. that Tesla is going to try and sell every single car they can during that period here in the United States so the people of the United States can reap as much of that federal tax credit as possible. And then come uh, June 30th, at the end of all of those mm-hmm. uh, federal tax rebates, even though they're coming, you know, going down in size, mm-hmm. at that point, the floodgates will open right. to China, to Europe, and to Australia and, and wherever else. And maybe at that point, they would, would have like a month prior swapped the line because they would have had enough cars in the in the pipeline at that point to, to satisfy all of those orders. And yeah, so you could be looking June, July. I think that makes a lot of sense in terms of a timeline to look for. And maybe as we get closer to that, we'll start to see some stories coming out of the factory. I got I agree. it. Agree. This next letter, I think Rob might have to leave it at uh, some point soon, but this next letter uh, scares the hell out of me. <laughs> I don't understand. It's Derek Spritz, and it says, Kieran's 100D. Hi, folks. I'm a big fan. I'm always looking forward to the next episode. I just had a bit of a correction uh, to the chat Mel had about his brother's car, because while Tester is expensive in Australia, Kieran got a great deal through buying a demonstrator model and quite a few uh, kilometers on it, and the car was around 150 grand on the road, and around 35000 of that was tax. And I understand why brother... Uh, Herbert might want to exaggerate or remember, or Mel didn't remember the numbers correctly. I just wanted to say all that. Have a great day. So I said something about, you know, how much my brother's S cost in Australia, uh-huh. like $250 million or something. Um, so, yeah, I might have been exaggerating the numbers a tad. But how the hell do you know so much about what my brother got? Maybe he's Ooh. a friend of your brother's? Could that be are, possible? Are you a friend of my brother's or <laughs> is, is you, are you my uncle? It sounds like <laughs> Do you have an Uncle Derek? Uh not that I know of, but, <laughs> but I might. Derek, who are you? How do you know yeah, all this stuff? Yeah. I mean, I, maybe he work. Maybe he works for Tesla, and he's the guy who sold him the demonstrator model. So, uh, regardless, it was one hundred and fifty k. Still a lot of cash. It's still a lot. Uh, here's another Derek. This is Derek Asante Muhammad with a very long uh, email that says. What? Not as long as this show. Uh, nothing's as long as this show. <laughs> he is a long-term friend of the show. And uh, what did Derek say? So he wants to us to do a biographical tweener on Elon Musk and his life. And I think that's kind of interesting to sort of – that he would like us to sort of dive deep into Elon and his start of Solar City and SpaceX and, and all of that stuff. And, um, you know, that's a very interesting thought and we should definitely – Consider that. Now, he also asked a question about he just replaced his two back tires at $400 a pop. Boom. And he has about 90,000 miles on his Model X 90D, which is pretty good. And he did his second yearly maintenance, which cost him $800. And many say yearly maintenance isn't necessary, but he's scared to not get one. So he wants to know, do we do annual maintenances on our car? Do we plan to continue to do annual maintenances on our car? Please explain. Actually, I'm going to send you, Mel, a link that I pulled from Tesla's website that explains exactly what happens at the various uh, services. And that way people can sort of make 
the choice themselves personally for that first 12,000 mile service to have my windshield washer blades changed, the washer fluid uh, refilled and the tires filled and maybe rotated. I could probably do that myself. Yeah, for I could probably do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's but probably... later on, mm-hmm. when you get to like the second, no, I think it's actually the third, so maybe 36,000 miles, they do like a little oil exchange in the one of the transfer boxes. Okay. Can't do that myself. You could probably, but don't. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. Do you Thanks. like your car or not? Because I can tell you that what I did for my leaf. Yeah. I never got it service in three years. And there's a pretty good chance that I'm not going to do any servicing of any substantial nature for the first few years. I will do three. the maintenance, but on my three, I will not do the 12,000-mile uh, maintenance yeah. for sure. Not through Tesla, uh, but I put washer fluid in my car all the time, so technically I've already done maintenance. Exactly. And, and all you need to do is replace the wiper blades. I have an extra set. I yeah. pumped up the tires. Does that count? Yeah, it there does, you go. Yeah. I have right now. This is weird. So in my Model 3 for the last couple of days, and I, and I checked the thing, I was getting the tire pressure low reading. Yeah. So... But the weird thing, and I'm not sure if this is a software bug or not, all of them were reading 36, like which is way low. It's like six pounds below low. and But only one of them was showing as a problem, right? Mm. Only one of them was yellow, even though they were all at the same number. And it was maybe both on the left side. Maybe it's rate of change. I think it has to do with maybe the the tire pressure things or just a software bug in general. But I checked the one that was in trouble, and it definitely was under, and I'm about to go have that fixed. Well, here's a quick pro tip. When you take your car in because there is something they told you was wrong Mm -hmm. or something you discovered was wrong, like for me, I've got this bogus uh, panel, the screen, the big center panel screen has this yellow yellow halo around it you know when you take it in just kind of guilt them a bit and say hey while you're at it would you mind just rotating the tires you know i'm not quite at the service or i'm a little beyond the service can you but i don't have time to wait for the whole thing just rotate the tires for me since you can fill your own freaking washer fluid and replace your own blades by you know wiper blades by going to the uh, service desk and buying them so is a tire rotation the twelve thousand on the twelve thousand yeah. mile thing? Yeah. yeah. So that's probably something you should be doing. Yeah. For rotating sure. the tires. While they're doing idea. some major mea culpa fix the car for you, get them to do a little extra, you know, get a little extra out of them. Yeah. See you guys. See ya. And the next letter is from Ken, and Ken was talking to you about your The door is opening. And the door. Robert's leaving. The smart one's now gone. Anywho, Ken, so the next letter is from Ken, and Ken uh, wrote us a letter based on your thought process about getting rid of your Model S lease, and he sent us swapalease.com and talks about how you can get rid of your car if you're in a lease that you don't want to be in. We both know that you don't really want to get out of your lease, so again, thank you, Ken. Uh, I do want to get out of it. You do? Yeah, So did you try swapalease? No, I haven't clicked on this yet. There are some other programs that are like that, and I couldn't find anybody Mm -hmm. that was interested, but... um, I'll check this out. So thanks, Ken. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Yeah, I've got a two-year lease, and I'd rather get into a Model 3. I love that car. And the final letter is from longtime listener, many-time writer, Diego Cavado, and he said, why did you guys have to return? I asked the same question, honestly. Me too. <laughs> he was ticked that we'd left yeah. it. Broke his heart. Yeah, he said, Diego, you, guys are, I'm sorry. you guys are back? I didn't even notice. Forget the fact that I'd just gotten over you guys. Now you come back with a monthly teaser episode instead of your weekly five-hour diatribes. I told myself I wouldn't write you anymore. I hate you. 
Oh, by the way, they got their Model 3 at the end of April. I wanted to share that news with you, but you abandoned me. <sighs> Diego, Diego, he hates us. He hates us, but loves us and took a beautiful picture. Tom is a photographer. This looks like a really well-presented uh, picture. very nice. A beautiful white Model 3, and I love the white Model 3s. And I love that I see more Model 3s every single day because it just means that this shit is happening. You cannot go outside and throw a stone without scratching a Model 3 around where we are. And I love it too. Like multiple times I'll go to Ralph's, which is like just down the road, and I'll see like three or four of them and I get so excited. I start weeping. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this has been an incredibly ridiculously long show as always. The show is Talking Tesla. His name is Tom. His name was Robert. And... uh, Talk to us about this uh, idea of doing uh, more shows, if you'd be interested in us doing that, if we can sort of Patreon it up a little bit. What do you want to do, Tom? Do you want to do it every week? If you could get paid, would you do it every week? Yeah, but that's way far down the line, I would guess. That's never going to (laughs) happen. My guess is that you would have to recoup a serious amount of cash. It's not going to happen, but we can try it. We can but, ask. But that's all right. I have. I got my two chargers. I got my referrals. I'm getting a power wall at some point. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're no, never seeing the power wall. All right. Goodbye, Mel. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're done. <laughs> <laughs>